Hello there, Kansas City. Stephen St. John here with another episode of Hot Mike with SSJ. As always, we would love to thank our uh, sponsors, uh, Patrick Carter, KCFarmersAgent.com. To get more information about Patrick Carter, you need to go local. Don't go with uh, one of these fucking national people that don't care about you, that don't care about Kansas City. Go with Patrick Carter, KCFarmersAgent.com, and also CBD American Shaman, edibles, vapes, they got the flour, they got the cones, they got it all. They got the topical cream, they have the ointments, whatever you need at CBD American Shaman. We have our friend Todd Lebo sitting in with us, Uh, but most importantly, we have our special guest this week. I've been... uh, Looking forward to having this gentleman on the podcast, as we have done in the past with some of our regular guests on Sports Radio 810. We do a little bit of an origin story and find out more about the person that you hear every week on the Border Patrol or on Sports Radio 810. And here we have from NFL Network and NFL.com, Jeff Chidea. Jeff, good morning. How are you? Good morning, man. The mic is definitely a hot right. F-bomb hot, hot. right, out, right the out the gate in the Goddamn in the gun promo. show. I told you. What are you doing since? That's I told right. you we cussed. Can, can I say shit? it? Can yeah. I say it? Fuck. Yeah, oh, right. he did. Ah! I've been waiting for you. I've been waiting for you to say that oh. in the microphone. And so you've been, uh, how long have you been? Uh, a guest on uh, on my oh, show. It's man. been years. It's years. Been, I know Larry Johnson was still playing for the Chiefs when I started <laughs> oh, coming on here. Holy so. shit. It's been, yeah. Yeah. it's been a while. That's been a long a time. LJ, he's, uh, boy, he's going down some different roads since then, hasn't he? Yeah. yeah. Different cat that, That's now, one way right. to put it. That's you know exactly what? He was a right. different cat back then. Right. He was yeah, different. Right, but he got paid. Uh, and so let's let's talk about you first of all, and let's kind of give some background, and then we'll get into some stories. I don't know all the else. answers to these questions we're going to ask you because yeah, I've talked to you good. about some things, but I don't know all this yet. So I'm you're, excited uh, about this. You're, you're, you're a mystery, right? And uh, you're gonna we're gonna to unlock some of this. Not right? anymore. Yeah. It's so all coming out today. Where Where are you from? Where Where were you born? Where'd you grow up? Ann Arbor, Michigan. Um, Actually, outside of Ann Arbor, Michigan, Ypsilanti, Michigan, technically Superior Township is what we call. They call them right? townships. Townships in Michigan. That's so, right. um, but yeah, Ann Arbor, Michigan. That's where I grew up. Okay. So, uh, and and then did you stay there your whole childhood? Uh, I did. I did. Um, kind of a weird, not a weird. It's pretty common now, but uh, I, I went to school in public school through eighth grade, and so it was more of like a mix, like. 55% black, 45% white school district. And then I went to a Catholic high school in Ann Arbor uh, for high school. What so, school was that? What was the name of that school? Gabriel Richard, Father Gabriel Richard High School. Okay, so were you uh, were you a, a good athlete when you were a kid? You played a lot of sports? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I didn't start playing sports until I was 11. It's kind of strange because I have a son now, a, a nine-year-old son who's been playing sports since he was six. Yeah. So it's really bizarre to see what that world is like because I had no experience with right. it in my own Luckily life. Luckily for people our age, it wasn't like that. When we played yeah. rec league when we were six, it was no big deal. A lot of fucking and anger now, out there it's now. just turned into yeah. all kinds of it, stuff. It's wildly different. And so I actually got into sports when I was 11. I had maybe fourth grade and fifth grade. Some buddies were playing flag football and baseball. And I started doing it. So you got it? brothers and sisters? I do. Uh, older, twin, younger? Twin brother and a younger brother. You have a twin brother. See, I yeah. didn't even know you that didn't right know that? there. I didn't know you had a twin brother. Where's he at? They're both in California. Uh, one is identical in twins. Fraternal. Fraternal. Yeah. One is yeah. in um, Oakland. My younger brother's in Oakland, California. He's actually here right now, visiting with my mom and, and well, myself. Get him in here. And my uh, twin brother is in uh, Dublin, California. But we all moved out there. I was the first to go out there to work, and when I was 25 for the San Francisco Examiner, and then my younger brother went to Stanford 
And then my older brother was in Chicago. My twin brother was in Chicago. He is older by four minutes. So you're the baby there I'm in the that baby. movie. So yeah. if I saw the, the twin child. right now, would I could I tell like, oh yeah, they're they're twins? No, or is it, no, no. Totally because my daughters, my twin daughters, do not look alike. Not at all. But no. my my wife is an identical twin. She's way better looking than her sister, but you there you could oh, okay. they, they look they look related yeah. you know what i mean but you no you do i mean do you, you, he's he's uh six five i'm six three yeah he's about he's the big one 260 pounds you're the little guy i'm the little you're guy. the runt when i went out when I, run to the litter yeah. i always thought chadia was a big guy well when i was when we were in high school he was really skinny and i was a more muscular broad shoulder guy and then he as taller guys do he started putting on weight filled so, out a little bit yeah and so so what what is i don't Never asked you this. What is Chadia? Where what is the, like the, where is that name from? Uganda. Uganda. East Africa. My dad's from Uganda. So was he born in Uganda? Nope. Nope. Born in America? He was no, he was born in Uganda. He wasn't born here. He came here when he was a teenager to go to college mm-hmm. at Washington State University and he was going to actually his dad Uganda is very you know, where he grew up was very rural and he was gonna go back get a degree in agriculture and go back home and then while he was here, Idi Amin took over the country. Right, that's the He's a bad so, man. And so he could not go back home ever. Were you a fan? So of, he's never been back? Been back twice. Were you a fan of Kamala, the Ugandan giant? The wrestler. Did you think that, they, did, hey, there's some nah. kind of, could we be, could, we, could he be family? I mean, well, well, you that, know, it's, it's, he, but he was actually a hog farmer from Arkansas, I believe, yeah. is what his real background was. But well, you know, it's crazy, though. It's like back then, you didn't hear a lot of African names. Now it's like you go to the NFL draft and you got Boy Amafe and David oh, Ajabo yeah, yeah. and Odafe Away. Like, they're just coming out of the woodwork. Because I, I'm, listen, I'm, I'm ignorant. Of, yeah. of Ain't stuff, that the right? fucking truth? Because you know, you just oh well, someone's like parents are from Africa, but there's like there's a difference between being from like Nigeria or Uganda or like you know, uh, Tamba Hali was from Liberia, Liberia, right? So I mean, it's like or Libya. Was it, it was yeah, I think it was Liberia. Feet. I know that yeah. he was from Liberia. So there's like, and but there, are, you're right. There's a whole bunch of uh, names like that. It's getting harder for people to understand and pronounce and all that stuff. I just never asked that before. So Uganda, so your dad has gone back now because Idi Amin is, is gonzo, right? So. Yeah, yeah. Well, he couldn't really, uh, let's see. He, he went back, I take that back. He went back when I was really young, like when like I was 10 or 11 when Idi Amin was exiled. And then uh, his father died in when I was in college, like 1992, 93 era. And then he went back around the time my son was born, 2012. And you've never gone. I, I was going to go in 2012 when he went, uh, but my son was being born. He literally went back in December 2012. My son was born in November 2012, mm-hmm. but right. he didn't even know he had any family uh, back there because there was no social media. There was no way to interact with people, and people started finding him through so through Facebook and contacting him. He thought his whole family was dead right. because he couldn't. What a life he! I mean, you come you know, here as like a teenager and go to college, and you just don't. I mean, you just couldn't even go back to your home. And you're cut. And you, not cut only that, off. but you don't even know your family's alive. Wow! Like, you know, man. it's just completely cut off from. How'd his family. that affect him? Uh, in, in weird ways, I think he was very private about. It. He didn't talk about his his upbringing until I was like in my thirties. Like mm-hmm. I finally asked him, like, "Hey, what's going on with you know who's my you know your my who's your father? What was your life like?" Do you have have contact with any family now from Uganda? Uh, I've had a, a couple people reach out and just said a little bit, but nothing like major. Mm-hmm. Um, 
But yeah, it's a. But to answer your your question, yeah, it, it's. I think it's hard for him. I think when you're a teenager, imagine any of us at nineteen, right? You're just not losing even. contact with our family and being and, halfway and being across in a the world. country. Yeah. at a time when that was when there were still civil rights movements were going on, and you're trying to figure out. He didn't grow up with any of that stuff, right? right. So he's trying to figure out the whole world and have kids and on so, top of that, and, and yeah, try to make a life. Yeah. And, you know, it's wild, man. Yeah. You, you go to this Catholic high school now. Are you a star athlete? Like, what sports do you play in high school? I played uh, football, basketball, and baseball. Um, what was your best sport? Uh, <laughs> I thought it was basketball. It's kind of real quick story because yeah, when, when my brother and I were uh, in eighth grade, the school we were going to had a really good basketball program, and you know we, we started to realize things were changing because we were playing basketball in the driveway one day with some friends of ours, and a car pulls up, and an old white guy gets out and starts talking to us, and he was the high school basketball coach, and he's kind of like you know, kind of doing a little recruiting pitch. That's right. And then we started looking around to go to schools. My dad took us to different schools around the area to see. And every time we went in, like the basketball coach would come out and, yeah. and want to talk, <laughs> not just the teachers. <laughs> it's like, okay, this is a little weird. Hello kids. And so when we started going to high school at Gabe Richard, it was like, everybody knew who we were. And it was, it was clear that part of us going to school there was, was to play sports. And yeah, I, I grew up playing basketball because that's what we did. Um, and I always I didn't play football until I was uh, until my second year, and I only played it in because, high school. In high school, yeah, high school, my sophomore year, and I only played it because the football coach asked me, "Hey, what are you doing in the fall? Yeah, what do you got going basketball? on? We need people." And he so said, "Once you come out." How big were you in sophomore year? I was about six two, about okay. one hundred ninety pounds. So he gets you on the football field. Yeah. And so what happens? What position do you play? Uh, I was a defensive back and a receiver. I didn't know what I was doing out there, but uh, did you like it? I did like it. Well, they, they kind of figured, okay, this kid can play because they put me in to run down and cover a kickoff in the first game. And I ran down as fast as I could. And, I, and this kid just was coming up the field. I just nailed him, like knocked him on his, yeah. on his ass. And the coach was like, okay, we like we got that. something here. We like that. And so I was just sitting around. And during the uh, – as the season went on, we weren't, I wasn't playing as much. And there was a buddy of mine who was also a point guard on a basketball team who was a year older than me, you know, Quick aside, he actually ended up being the number two guy in the FBI for you know the last cool. few years and covering all the Russia stuff. Mm. But um, and we would talk about man, it's like how long are we going to do this? Like basketball season's coming up. Let's uh, you know if, if this ain't working out by the end of the year, let's just get off of so this. You're a bas- in your mind, you're a basketball, a basketball player that's player. just fucking around. Yeah, and what you, what around. year? We're we're almost the same age. What year were you in high school then? I was there. I would have been 80, 80, 86. Yeah, 85. Okay. I came to high school 85. That was the 86 season, okay. sophomore year. So you're older than us for sure. Yeah. Yeah. So. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Not you. Yeah. No, you're older than me. Am I older than you? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I'm only 52. Okay. How old are you? I'm 51. You don't well, look 51. 52. I'm 52. We were in high school in 86. When did you graduate I was, high school? I was 17 when I graduated Oh, high this guy's yeah. fucking smart, too. See, that's Same the here. bad I news. Really, uh, I was 16. The first, I, I didn't turn 17 till November 30th of my senior year. Yep. I was, yeah, I was a young So you graduated high school. You fucking dummy. Well, yeah. I, gra- I was 18 years old. <laughs> That's, That's right. just what you fucking do. That's right. What's that movie with Matt uh, McConaughey uh, with the, down in Texas? Days and Confused? Days and Confused. Yeah. Listen, I'm not yeah, like that. Right. Listen, <laughs> he's just fucking hanging out. I'm not out like these guys getting out of high school yeah. and then going to a prep school. And I, I'm regular age. So were you good? So, so you, you thought you were good at basketball, but you... Like, did you think you were good enough? Like, oh, yeah. I'm playing basketball. I'm gonna go to college and fucking play basketball. I was gonna go play, I was play basketball. I was, I was, 
I was on a varsity team as a sophomore. But you were not getting recruited by Michigan to play basketball. No, no, but we'd have kids like I, I could play. Like the, I remember Terry Mills and Ramil Robinson oh, were guys who played at Michigan back in the day. Glenn Rice. They were prop forty eight guys. They they couldn't mm-hmm. play. Remember prop forty eight? Right, you yeah. couldn't play. They had to sit in, for a whole year. For a year, yeah. so they would come down and practice with my coach, who was the ex Michigan assistant, and we'd work out with them. I felt like I was athletic enough and coming into my own and. And the problem was I was a little bit immature. And so when football took off, by the end of my sophomore year, I was I was starting. I was playing corner. I had an interception in our last game that I returned for a touchdown, like 60 yards. Who'd you pick off? Who was this? Uh, it, was some, it was actually, I think it was, uh, I think it was Derek Alexander's school, Benedictine, yeah, Benedictine see, High School. Bring it all back together. Yeah. He wasn't throwing a pass. He wasn't playing by then because um, he's a couple years younger than me. But uh, – yeah, I returned an t- uh, interception for a touchdown. And then uh, two months later, I had a a letter from Indiana University in my mailbox with a media guide saying, hey, we've got your, your name from somebody, and we're interested in talking to you about coming to our school. And now I was this like, is oh, old this is – You thought basketball. <laughs> I was like – You're thinking that, basketball. Yeah. Let's fucking go. Bobby that, Knight, that, come that on. Big old football helmet on. Oh, I was that. like, <laughs> all right, I guess I'm playing football. This so, sounds pretty good. Yeah. So when uh, – this is old school recruiting. This year, good guy to talk to. Um, about this because it's, there's no huddle, there's no rivals, there's no two four seven, and you you just get a letter in the mail. Had you gotten you never gotten a phone call? No one had ever reached call, out. You nothing. just got a letter and it said, "Hey, this is Indiana. We like you." Yeah. Now you're still just about to be a junior. I was that was still a sophomore. Yeah. I didn't even gotten the second who half was, of my sophomore year. Who was that fucking coach? Oh, who whoever was coach, coach Trent Green. Probably. I think it who was. was um, no, it was the. Uh, he was. He had kids at Michigan at the time. Uh, God, what was his name? I remember it. It was. Uh, I get on the internet. God, what was his name? So did the head coach reach out to you? Was it that? It was one of those form letters you get, oh, okay. just saying like, "Hey, we've gotten your name. Uh, we know you're a pretty good football player. We want to uh, get you on our mailing list and keep in touch." And you know, was, it was enough to be like, "Hey, they know who I am. Right? They came and found me." But yeah. that was the, that was the first football school to contact yeah. you. Hit any basketball schools or any small mm-hmm. so so no. at that point the coaches he, are telling you you're not a basketball player yeah that's what's right. happening but, <laughs> but at that point is that when you decide okay football yeah football that's is, all you needed to see well I was still kind of like Bill I was Mallory excited. Bill Mallory yeah his kids Mike did you Mallory know Sam White coached Indiana for one year oh, yeah I didn't know mm-hmm. that things you learn yeah after after Lee Corset was Sam White and there so um, yeah so I ended up. Playing basketball, um, having a good time. I came back from my junior year, and I had a huge junior year, and that's when it really exploded. All of a sudden, like in all, football. All in football, now you're getting yeah. lots of letters. Yeah, well, now it's like it's defense, totally different. defense or offense. Like what were you? I played everything. But what were you? What was Charles Wilson right here? Guy. He was going to do it all. Yeah, I was okay. a safety, a linebacker, like a kind of like a rover. They called it back in the day, kind of a strong safety type. Then who's well, recruiting you? Like who? The, some of the schools. Uh, at that you? point, um, you know Stanford. Got serious. Colorado got serious. Oh, UCLA, Michigan State was very serious. Um, Big Blue never called? Uh, they, well, Lloyd Carr, who became the head coach at Michigan, obviously. He was the coordinator. Was, he, was, he was a defensive backs coach mm-hmm. at Michigan then. And uh, his son, he Les had Miles on this staff school. up there. Yeah, well, his son went to school with me. His, all his kids went to school with me. And so it wasn't so much a formal recruitment. It was kind of like, a, a, hey, like, how are you doing? Blah, blah, blah. And let's see what you become. It's it's and I realized even back then, like when you're in somebody's backyard, you had to really be a standout to get to Michigan. Like there were kids who were playing at bigger schools in the area who were not getting looks. So it wasn't like it was a a knock on me. And Michigan State was, you know, I got to know their staff pretty well. Um, 
George Portis was the head coach at mm-hmm. that time. He been running around with Andre Risen. Hell yeah, yeah. Well, that's what Lorenzo ended up happening White. after my junior year. Yeah. All these schools started coming after me my right before my senior year. Uh, I got a call from my head coach who was doing a football camp up there, and he said, hey, uh, Perlis wants you to come up and, 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 and talk. So I said, all right. I got in the car with my brothers and drove up there, and they had a big football camp going on. Walked into their uh, indoor facility, and all these hundreds of kids out there, you know, all getting ready to start football camp. He's in the middle of the field. They wave me over. He said, come over here. I want to talk to you. And so we sit there with my football coach and my brothers, and he's like, hey, just so you know, I've coached Carl Banks. I've coached Andre Risen. I've coached a bunch of guys from the NFL. I've coached in the NFL. I think you've got that kind of talent. Um, I want you to be at Michigan State. And this is Perlis? This is Perlis. Yeah. yeah. All right. And so I'm like, all right. And he's like, and so whatever happens to you in your senior year, if you get hurt, miss a few games, you got a scholarship to come to Michigan State. I want you to know that right now. And I was like, that was the first coach to actually say that to me. Yeah. And I was like, all right, well. Cool. You played it cool. Was there yeah. any <laughs> jump up and down? Was there uh, any inclination to say I'm I'm in done? Uh, not at that point because I was Stanford was was a school okay. I really had my eye on. And like Colorado was close. So you get they, they were they were they weren't there yet, but Colorado was close. Mm-hmm. Oh, Colorado was in the so shit. They, I mean, they were yeah, they, they were, were building. They were that was they were that was a hell yeah. of a program. Yeah. So you had some good schools, football schools looking at you. Yeah. And Bill McCartney was right. uh, the coach there. He had Michigan ties. So what did you like your folks? What were the family thinking when I mean, Stanford calls? I you know I've never had a kid getting recruited by anything, but I would think. When Stanford says, "Hey, we'd like you to come," that's more than just football at that point. That oh yeah, they, like, they were. High Wait on a that. second. So like, oh, hold on now. Stanford says, "Yeah, come no, here. they were high." My mom was big into academics. She grew up in Alabama, real poor, and academics was everything to her. So when Stanford was involved, they were definitely like, "This is a place you should seriously be thinking about going to." So I mean, it was definitely that was a high point for me with recruiting with those guys, and, and they had me up for games in my senior year and. Gave me the whole Tell me about a recruiting trip. What happened on a recruiting trip? Give us a good story here. Well, that, that's that's the that's the. This is hot, Mike. Let's go. Well, that that part of story comes later. There's okay. a, there's an in between because I ended up getting hurt in my senior year. I ended Did up he having keep his promise yeah. though. Well, let me get the story. Place ah, yourself out. Jump ahead. Jumping ahead. Yeah, let's 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 go yeah. very slowly here. Yeah, I got now it. you. You must have had very good grades for Stanford to be looking oh, at yeah. you, right? I was a good student, yeah. And so, like, what, what, what were what were so you had a threes? But what were you, like, you know, interested in academically? I had no clue. I, all I was interested in what was happening with me with with football because mm-hmm. I mean, when you're getting recruited at that level, like all these schools are calling you, they're all loving you up, and they're not like to the extent of like just sending you form letters. They're like calling, coaches are calling, girls on campus are calling you. Ooh. Like every night, someone mm-hmm. you're getting letters all the time. And this is and with so, no cell phones. This is just fucking no ringing the house. Phone. Yeah, yeah. This is back in the day when you have yeah. a boxes full of stuff coming your right. way. And so, yeah, it was it was great. I was living the life. And also, you're you're getting like uh, who was the guy? Um, Tom uh, Lemming. Uh, and yeah, so yeah. He was the first he had the big recruiting, recruiting letter, guy. and so he had me come out. He came out. Um, called me up and said, hey, you're the number seven player in the state before my senior year. Come out and we're going to do a little photo and put all your bio together, ask you some questions and put it into a newsletter. Do you so remember just... some of the other players that were in that top ten in the state? Uh, oh, yeah. yeah. Your contemporaries were? Yeah. the uh, There was a receiver who went to um, Michigan State and played for the Steelers, Courtney. Um, God, what was his last name? God, Courtney Hawkins. Courtney yeah. Hawkins was a guy who was the big name at the right. time. Um I mean, guys, you would know. Um, there's a few guys who played at Michigan. 
at Michigan State. I'm trying to think of somebody, if anybody went pro out of that class. Well, Rodney Culver okay, sure. was a guy yeah. who was in that he class. Notre Dame. That with the Notre Dame, yeah. played for the Chargers, died in a car crash. So it was a big, a big deal. And that so was like you, the beginning you, of kind of recruiting talk. Yeah, Tom Lemming. Exactly. So Tom Lemming. So you're in a national newsletter, and you're like, you get it. You're like, oh man, all these names I've seen on yeah. other places. I'm, I'm in with this group. But were you a, like, were you a Michigan fan? Were you holding out for Michigan? Was that important to you? Did you grow up a fan of any school? Did you care? Uh, I, I liked Michigan, but I also wanted to leave home. Like that was important for me. Okay. I wanted to get out of town and go someplace and see some things. So as much as I like Michigan. It wasn't like I was dying to go there mm-hmm. and do the, see the same things and do the same stuff I had done before. Um, but real quick, yeah, go back to what happened my senior year. I ended up – I went to a football camp at Michigan, and I was doing a, a shuffling drill and ended up tweaking my, my knee. And uh, I ended up – it was a partial tear of my ACL at the time. You went Ajabo yeah. at camp. Yeah, it was Fucking that camp. Yeah. unbelievable. And you yeah. were at that. I was at that camp. camp. Yeah, that, and so I ended up going to into my senior year with a torn, torn ACL, and I was you didn't get it partially fixed? torn. Didn't get it fixed because I was going to lose my senior year, and I didn't want to have that happen. So I ended up playing, and I ended up getting hurt again in my first game. I wonder why that happened. Trying to play with a torn ACL. Yeah, it's not the the the, the best move in the world. I've heard guy. I don't know. Heinz Ward did it. Um, and didn't like John career. Elway not even have an ACL or some weird shit like that. Yeah, but know. you're not getting hit. Yeah, but so he's, you he's, got hurt first game. So now you'd lost your senior year. No, no, I ended up playing. I played through. Hobbled through it. I hobbled through. It. Yeah, I, I missed like two or Todd three games. Todd continues to try to tell your story <laughs> and tell you what exactly. the fuck happened. Yeah. <laughs> and so you, so you go, you get hurt again. Yeah. But then your your performance is affected. Yeah, yeah. Right? The tape was not what it was as a junior. Are and you so losing these, offers now? I'm losing offers. Yeah, so I'm losing offers. So these the phone schools stops ringing. Uh, I didn't stop ringing, but a lot of schools started falling off. And really, in some of those schools that were below that that Power Five level, who I didn't even talk to, like they felt like they had no chance. They're not even like, you know, communicating with me. So yeah, I'm going through this. I get I finished my senior my senior year football. You know, I didn't have great numbers or great film. Uh, and yeah, all these coaches that I'd been talking to and girls, they stopped calling. And and it it really was a huge blow when. Um, Indiana stopped because they were the first uh, to call. And when I actually called the coach who was recruiting me, I can't remember his name now. Like they were like, "Oh, he's busy. He can't get back to you." Blah blah blah. And I remember, I remember sitting in my room and crying as right. a seventeen-year-old, a sixteen-year-old kid. Then I didn't turn seventeen because uh, I was just like, "What happened here?" Like a year ago, I was on top of the world. Even a, whatever, less than a year ago, I was in the summer getting all these recruiting offers and opportunities and. Now I'm not even taking trips. And your knee's still fucked up. And my knee's still fucked up. And so Stanford came out, and they, they were going to do a trip with me. Uh, the coach came and watched me play basketball, and they were like, ah, I think we're not going to do it now. Um, then McCartney came out. You still haven't out. fixed this. You haven't fixed it. No, you haven't fixed it. And so, Is anyone telling you, hey, you should yeah. fix this? Or <laughs> yeah, well, back then it was like I kept like playing it off. Like no one was right. – you didn't have a trainer going there and checking your knee right. and doing all this advanced rehab. Now it was just like right. – you're trying to get through it. Um, McCartney comes out. McCartney comes out, and they ended up not passing too. And then what happened was See, Michigan. And he's, and he's a promise keeper. Yeah, he's supposed Didn't to keep it. What the yeah. fuck? Didn't keep it. Yeah. Right. And so Michigan State's defensive coordinator, um, God, I wish I could remember his name because he was a You're really doing really guy. well with the names today. Yeah. It's it's so long ago now. <laughs> but um, he ended up calling uh, a friend who's at Wyoming. He was a DB coach, and he said, "Hey, we're not going to take this kid now. Like, he's—I think he's a good kid. I think he's got talent, but he's been banged up, and um, I'm trying to find him a home. And so, would you take a look at him? And so, this guy—this guy's name I remember is Greg Brown, a young guy. Came out. He actually coached at Missouri, right? DBs Greg Brown for a while. That's right. And uh, he came out, and he's like, "Hey, man, he was 
fast-talking young guy who's like, come on out to Wyoming, check it out, see what you like, and blah, blah, blah. We want to have you here. And so I hopped on a plane. This is Cheyenne. This was like in January. It's Laramie. Laramie. I flew into Cheyenne. Cheyenne. Go and, to Laramie. And, and for them, they maybe are looking at a prospect that you would not have considered Wyoming. Yeah. But now you, so this, they're taking the advantage of this, right? Yeah, what am I on the radar? Yeah, so I ended up going out there. Middle of a blizzard, flying of in. You know, they Fucking take me cold. out snowmobiling oh, and eating cheeseburgers in the middle of the winter and on a mountain somewhere. And I'm like, you know what? These guys want me. I'm I'm coming. Mm-hmm. Like, screw it. Like You're getting away from home. Getting away from Seeing home. And I'm going to show everybody who gave up on me that that they made a bad decision. That was all my thinking was. I didn't know anything about Wyoming, about their program or anything else. I was like, you offer me a scholarship, I'm signing. Right. So I ended up going out there. And uh, right before I went out there, my, uh, right before I went to my first training camp, I was playing basketball and my knee gave out again. And Shit. doctors were like, okay, you got to get this fixed. Like, you can't be playing football with a knee like this. And so I had to call them up and say, look, I can't come in my first training camp. I just blew my knee out. They were cool about it. They just said, come on out and get it fixed. And, you know, that's how my college career started. So you were on scholarship, though. So they honored that. You're yeah. on scholarship. Oh, yeah. And you were just there working out. Yeah. I was ready to class. Come. Yeah. yeah. So then did they go, you go through their doctors and everything? Their doctors. Okay, they good. come out and do it. Yeah. They said, come out, fly out. We'll get you set up. And um, I'll never forget this because I remember my, uh, after my surgery, I was sitting in the hospital bed watching TV and they had this, uh, there was some show on that was showing all these old football players, pro football players, what they looked like after they'd done, got done playing. It was like Earl Campbell, yeah. Yeah, was, like was, Larry Zaka. Yes, yes, I remember yeah, like, that. Larry Zaka had to hang from a tree to like loosen up because yeah. his body was so it, beat it, up. And it shows Earl Campbell on his ranch like walking <laughs> all from, I remember yeah. that, yes. And I was just like, what am I is doing? this going to be me? Like it was the first time like, and going back to it like, I liked football because of what it did for me, but I didn't love it mm-hmm. in that way. And I started thinking, man, is this going to be me? This was the first time actually football had become hard. You know, it wasn't just like I'm just it was more than just accolades. fun. Right? It's yeah, more yeah. than fun going out and playing. It's like I have to actually work at this and get through this. So I, I went through my uh, freshman year, uh, rehab, got ready, um, came back um, for uh, spring football and in uh, backpedaling drill. It was a simple backpedaling drill. I was uh, just took a cut and like they gave it a job, but my my right knee gave out. Holy shit! Yeah, and so that's the, like, that's the Lord saying this ain't for you, maybe. Yeah. What the well, fuck? at that point, yeah, and so that was like, oh my god, like what is happening to me here? Are you supposed to get hurt playing football, not yeah. like going yeah. through drills, not random so stuff? So, what was the reaction to that? Oh, everybody was. It was kind of like what Alberto Montesi just went through. People were just like, "God, this it sucks." Like this, they you know, people like this me. They, they love my good potential. And he can't fucking stay healthy. Right. Yeah, and so you're like, "What? What? You know, what the fuck?" And, and so I remember there was a guy. Uh, it's a couple, a couple older players. I came back to my my dorm room and was really upset. And these guys, uh, Ted Gilmore, he was a receiver. He actually ended up being a receivers coach. He's coached all over the place now. I think he's at Wisconsin. Or miss at Michigan State now. Coached for the Raiders for a while, and this guy Mitch Donahue was an All American defensive end. They came to my room and said, "Hey man, like, why don't you come on out?" I wasn't a big religious guy, but they said, "Why don't you come to church with us, hang out, and see what's going on?" I, I always remembered that as being like a really pivotal moment in my time there. Of like, wow, these guys. I'm not just somebody who's here playing football. They care about I think you. that's the thing. You think when, on the outside, you feel like if you're not performing, you're not getting stuff but these done. These are players. These, these are, are players, and they, and they understood yeah. like. The, the real part of it, like you're a human being. Mm-hmm. And so they took me out. It made me feel good. But I knew going into my my uh, my next year, it was like, okay, what am I going to do here? Am I going to get this 
fixed? Am I going to go through this process again? The rehab was totally different back then because they put you in a cast for six weeks. Right. And then, you know, they, you got your leg came out, looked like your, your now arm. Now they got you up yeah. walking the day you have surgery. Yeah, now, now it's like a six-month process coming back. Jamison Williams can tear his ACL on a championship you get game. Get drafted and, in the first round. Drafted, back then it was career ending. Yeah. It was like you didn't come back from it. And you so to have two. Rehab is yeah. lonely and shitty. Oh, it was horrible. It was horrible. And so at that point I was just like, all right, well. I'm going to come back for my sophomore year and see how it goes. And they were still high on me. They were like, hey, if you want to move to linebacker, we'd love to have you play there and do this. But at that point, I was just like, man, I don't know, man. This is like, do I really want to still be playing football? Like, I'm not going to play in the NFL now. Like, all the fun stuff's mm-hmm. gone away. and It's just work. And I just wasn't mature enough to handle that. I mean, that's one thing. I, I do a lot of mentoring now. And that's something that's a big, a big reason for that is because of that experience. Like, my parents weren't big into sports. There weren't, I was the only kid in my area to be a D1 athlete, so there wasn't anybody I could talk to about all this stuff and get advice. And so if I'd had that, I think I would have continued playing and pushed through, but I just was like, man, I need to just go to school and be a student, and that's kind of when I realized probably in 1990, like summer, uh, about February of 1990, I was like, I'm leaving football and I'm going to go to school. Was, was, so you, was Fennis Dembo on campus by any chance? Was he the He was there the year before I okay, got there. Did, did you yeah. know Fennis Dembo? Of, that's, yeah. that's my only Wyoming guy. Right. Fennis, and, and, that's exactly right. You know what's well, funny uh, about that? There's a guy named Eric Lechner who played like 12 years in the NBA who played on the same team as Fennis Dembo. No who was a better player? Him, yeah. Nobody cares about yeah, him. Fennis Dembo. Yeah, and Reggie Slater was a guy who was in school, basketball player there. At the same time, he played 10 years in the NBA, and he had a pretty famous son named uh, Rashawn Slater, oh, yeah. a left tackle for the, for the Chargers. Wow. So, so when you when you tell them, okay, I'm done playing football, do you get to keep your scholarship and just be a student? Like, how does that work out? Well, it was like – there was like two months left in the school year. And so, yeah, you basically they, – they, And they you already been out there for the two years? Year. So this is this your – This is my, my second year. In your second year? Yeah. Are you going to stay? What are you studying at this yeah. point? Had you th- thought about uh, your life at all? No, nah, I was Just taking studies. general studies. Yeah. And I did uh, – what was the question? Were you going to stay? Did you plan – were you going to graduate from there? Or did uh, you wanna... No, I knew I was going to leave and go back. Some, I was going to either go to Michigan or go to Duke for some reason. I had some some – Love for Duke, but I said, you know, it's going to be easy for me to go back home. I know Michigan. Um, what do you want to go to Duke in for? Tuition. What's that? Like a Duke basketball fan? I think I was a Duke basketball was. Time. Yeah, I was like, was. Oh, I'd be cool to go to Duke. But it's like, I, I got off that real fast. It's so weird. Like, it was Duke. a random thing. Yeah. And so, um, well, think about in like 1989, 90, you didn't know anything except what you fucking saw on TV. What did yeah. you see on TV? Fucking Duke. Of yeah. course everyone wanted to go to It looked Duke. like a cool place to go. Yeah, that's what so, it was. I remember, I remember telling my dad, I was like, I think I'm going to stop playing football and just uh, just be a student. He was just like, well, um, just so you know, I, I, I've never wanted you to quit on anything. Like, that's the big thing for me, like, you're, that you're giving up. And I'm like, well, I just, it's not working out for me. It blew up both my knees. Yeah, it blew up both my knees. And, um, you know, I'm going to work at it. I don't know what's going to happen, but I'm going to have to work at this. And... And I told my mom the same thing. She's like, well, it's a tough time for you to come home because we're, your dad and I are getting divorced. Oh, shit. Oh. And so it's just like the home I thought I was going back to. And not that. It's not very stable now. Was that? Did that totally blindside you? Oh, yeah. You, you had You've been no away. Idea. Yeah, I had no idea. I'd been gone for a couple oh, years. Fuck. It's like, all right, well, how bad could that be? And so yeah, I came home to like, I thought I was going to have parents paying for school and all this good stuff and nah. it was like no you got to work where was your twin brother was he in school he was at michigan state so he was he was, he playing was baseball close at michigan state he was playing baseball at michigan state yeah, and actually he had just gotten cut from his baseball team so he was like hey dude it's what like, am i gonna do yeah but he was more so like you don't realize how lucky you are to have a scholarship and mm-hmm. have, you know, yeah because baseball doesn't have full scholarships and all no, that shit yeah no like, and so it was i was conflicted but i was just like you know what i don't know what's gonna happen 
But I'm gonna go out here and, and try to make the best. So you of came it. home. So we, so you just had to go through all the transfer stuff to be a student at Michigan. Yeah. Did you go live in the dorms? Did you go live at home? We live with mom and dad or busted up there in different apartments. What what did you? How did you live there? Well, my dad was in junior? a different apartment. My mom had moved to um, St. Louis. She took a job. She had just got her PhD. She was going to Washington University. To, um, so you weren't going to live with her. That was a nah, big commute. Yeah, so I was, thinking, I was Zoom thinking. Zoom class wasn't happening. Yeah, and actually there were some schools. Eastern Michigan had recruited me, and I had talked to them. Their coach still knew I was around, and I had talked to uh, Lloyd Carr about, hey, is it worse still? You think I should try to keep doing this? And Because uh, I was at Michigan, maybe I could walk on over there and do some stuff. But I was just like, you know what? I just want to get into like just being a student and see what happens. Mm-hmm. And, Did and you it think was, about going to St. Louis at all? No, no, I was already gone. I was already in. I got, okay. I already applied to the okay, got good. in. Right. Yeah, and so, um, but by the time I got to the point where it was, I was in school and actually going to school, it was, uh, it was hard. It was hard to not have sports be your foundation or be your identity. Yeah, you're and, just a guy at, yeah. at big fucking school, too. Yeah. I mean, school. Wyoming's a, a big enough school. It's not no. some little baby school, but it ain't Michigan. No. Even Michigan's bigger now, but even back then, it was probably 40,000 students. Yeah, it was. And you, don't like have, and you don't have you don't have a scholarship? No scholarship, Michigan? yeah. So then how how you paying for school? I got a job. A friend of mine's dad worked at the University of Michigan Hospital yeah. in an office, so he got me an office job working with some... Shining a fucking seat with your ass? Yeah, yeah. yeah. I'd, I'd worked that for 20 hours and... Um, I can be work, working uh, at Scorekeepers week. or Rick's yeah, All-American. Yeah. See, I'm na- naming places. Yeah, no, and actually there was a guy who... Um, who used to play for Michigan? His name was Rick Rogers. He was there when Harbaugh was the quarterback, and he was. Uh, we played on a fight football team together, uh, and so he actually stayed with me because he needed a place. I rented a room out in the house, and it was good to have him around too because he knew what was you know the the landscape of being a, uh, an ex athlete. But it was it was a transition because I went through a depression and, and a lot of like really tough like. I knew guys who were playing football on the team. I knew guys who were You're other like, teams. You're like, I can do and, that. And, well, and yeah. you feel like they're they're still playing, and like I'm not. So the whole you feel nineteen like a years old and retired. But you, yeah. but you went from like I don't know if I like football. This is a lot of fucking work. I don't know if I do this. Yeah. Then you didn't do it. Then you're thinking, man, I fucking miss football. Yeah, yeah. I, I miss what football gave. Right. Okay. Well, these are hard decisions to make when you're when you're that you're, young. You're yeah. treated differently. You're treated differently. Yeah. Right. Is that totally. right? That's what yeah. you missed. That's why I always laugh. And I know I'm not against athletes getting paid. If you can get some money, that's great. But I always tell people, man, if you're if you're an athlete, talk to somebody who's not an athlete and see what their lives are like. It's much better mm-hmm. being a, an athlete in college. Okay. So so just a rewind here before we leave the college scene altogether. How many different places did you go on a visit to? I took two visits. I went to oh. Eastern Michigan. And I went to Wyoming. Did you? Did any any wild shit happen on a visit? Uh, yeah, at Eastern Michigan, that was a, a crazy one. And I went to those two places because I what basically all these schools. Eastern Michigan in? It's in Ypsilanti. It's, it's so like it's right, right there. Okay. Yeah, it's right there. And so what, I wound up going to both those places because all these schools that had been recruiting me literally stopped in like January. Mm-hmm. And so like most schools have already figured out who they've accepted for scholarships. And so it was hard to get visits at that point. And you didn't go in, you, you hadn't taken earlier visits. So these were their first visits. No, these were okay. first visits, yeah. So what happened? I'd, I'd been Mi- to the schools. So I actually, a guy took me out of DB. Um, he took me to uh, a couple of parties and then we went to one party and they were drinking uh, schnapps. They were drinking a whole bunch of schnapps. And I was like, <laughs> I, I, I wasn't a big schnapps drinker when I was in high school. I was beer. Schnapps. And so they were, I was drinking it like, like it was like soda, like yeah. it was Coca Cola. You're not supposed to do that. And so uh, yeah. all I remember is <laughs> go, the room going dark, and then oh, some shit. lady said, "Get this motherfucking nasty <laughs> dude out of here! <laughs> He's well, throwing up all over the place." I couldn't see anything, but I kept hearing it. Like, 
<laughs> Apparently, you we're having a freaking. Fucking snot. <laughs> uh, uh, you had too much snot. Those are chuggers. <laughs> those are shots, not that's chuggers. Right. Oh that's my right. god. So I couldn't hear it, but I could. I couldn't see it, but I could hear it. Oh. You ever have any schnapps after that? that no, that was the last time. That was oh the last time. I said, what happened to me the next day? He said, bro, it was ugly. It was ugly. You, 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 you probably party. don't want to come to school. I like the fact that there was fucking You want to be that schnapps. guy. <laughs> <laughs> you know what, do you remember what flavor it was? Was, uh, it, was it peach? I, I think it was pretty much sure it was peach. Yeah, there's uh, so many flavors now. Peppermint yeah. but schnapps. My, my, my dad actually Gold told Schlager. me a story about Cinnamon. Wyoming recruiting trip. I never heard this, that uh, the guy who brought me out there um, wasn't involved, but the defensive coordinator was talking to my dad when we were at dinner and had gone out with some of the players to hang out. And he talked to my, he asked my dad, he said, you, uh, you, did you need anything from to come out here? And my dad was like, what do you mean? Oh shit. He's like, hold on now. You, uh, you know, you need some money. And he was just like, Oh no, nah. it's like, Hey, look, it's, it's not like, Hey, it's, it's cool. Like we're, we're totally cool with doing it. Like we do it for kids like, like this, who we didn't expect to have come here and we know that, you know, he's a talented player. We want him to feel good and feel wanted. So it's not a big deal. My dad was like, ah, whatever. And so, so he was, he wasn't offended or anything. He, wasn't offended. he was yeah. more like, what are you talking about? Yeah. And so, uh, and so my dad went back to the hotel room while we were still out and he was getting ready to go to bed and he opened it up. He op- he pulled his pillow back. He was like, like, uh, going to pat his pillow before he went mm-hmm. to sleep. And there was an envelope under the bed. Oh yeah. And so he, 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 Gets it up, opens the envelope. He's like, "How much? Fifty bucks inside." Who's <laughs> 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 that from? Yeah, that was the payoff for me. That's not even a hundred dollar handshake. Yeah. Put that in there. <laughs> I don't know, but uh, that so was like, "You sure that went from the main?" Just a little taste. It's like fifty bucks. Hey, fifty dollars went a long way back then. Yeah, yeah, not that far. Wet his beak. Yeah, I was like, "This is a lower so, level." So, but like, if you would have known about that, you didn't. You didn't know about that. Mm-mm. So, if they would have said to you. You need a little something to come come yeah. out to Wyoming. Would you have, would you have taken something or asked for something? Uh, I wasn't in that place. I didn't have to. My parents. I were know, but not. Yeah, yeah I, I, I wasn't even thinking about that. I mean, I get what you're saying. Like, yeah, if they had offered it up, would I have been like, oh, that'd be interesting? Yeah, being a teenager, right. I'm sure I would have been tempted. Because at 19, I would have taken and anything anyone would have fucking offered me, and mm-hmm. I was I was no athlete. I was no I, no one's recruiting me, but you know, oh, yeah, it would have been hard to pass it up. That's you're, what I mean. Sure, I just, yeah. you know, you didn't so bucks. how did you find your way? You're a student in Michigan. When did you finally figure out what you wanted to fucking do with your life? Well, basically, I uh, you know I bounced around a whole bunch of different majors. You know, Name them. Let's go. Oh, I did. I went try to get into business school. Well, your mom I got a PhD in what? Social work. Okay, so did you? Did they have any interest in you? No. What did your dad no. do? He was a dentist. Did they have any interest no. in you? All right, so nothing no. there. Why don't you, you want to be a dentist? No, that's too much work. <laughs> Way they don't even work, work on fucking Fridays. It's yeah. the best. I, I still an athlete's mentality. I was looking for uh, uh, something easy. Way. Like, did your dad bitch about being a dentist when he come in? He's fucking teeth. No, he liked it, but he, he was big into science and math. Okay. I, I didn't so like that. Stuff. Business huh? didn't take. What's your next major? Oh, uh, I thought about doing like I, I did English. English for a second. You write it a book? was too much. I have an English too, degree. Too, and it's too many old books. Yeah, but did your mom or your dad? Try to influence you at all to follow in their footsteps, no. or they, so there was no, you no. know. No, they were big on actually just going to school path. and getting advanced degrees. They were like, if you get a, a, a master's you know, is better yeah. than that. Get so a dad wasn't get a coming home with some impressions or some no. teeth. Or See, the way we no. did it at my house was uh, I, I do this, and my wife was a teacher, and we did our best to make sure our kids didn't do that. So we forced them to do wow. other things. That's yeah. what we Unbelievable. did. So. Yeah, it wasn't that way for us. Yeah. But no, so I ended up. Uh, How'd you get to journalism? Well, I was I was I was struggling academically. Mm-hmm. You know, Michigan was a tough school, and I was literally my GPA at 
Wyoming was like a three four, and mm-hmm. Wyoming I and mean, Michigan it was like a two five or something mm-hmm. like that. Because I'd I'd taken a couple of classes. It might have been wait, really wait, good wait, on the football wait. team, but not so good in regular. So that's you call that struggling? <laughs> Stephen, tell us some stories. I would have yeah. fucking loved yeah, it. Two be two five. Huh? I'd have yeah. been fucking thrilled. Nah, it was it was rough. And it was. I'd have got fifty dollars with an envelope, And that's what uh, you your parents couldn't get online and check. That's when the grades would come in the mail. Oh shit! And they would open up. What the fuck? Yeah, you could you could try to change it with a marker. But you're struggling and you're. Yeah. You're changing majors, so then what do you do? So I ended up taking a journalism class, like an intro to news writing class. Uh, well, probably you're old in the class at that point. Then you're a junior or something, and then seniors, yeah, was, and they're uh, younger kids, so you're getting in out late. I was 21. I was yeah, I was 21. I was my, this was this was the my the last semester of my junior year, mm-hmm. and so I was like, I, I need to get some A's. So I took this class and breezed through it because I, I could always write well when I was in school. I always did well in that, and so I was like, you know what? I'll definitely get an A in this class. So I took it. And then the teacher who was teaching the class, I, I wanted to try to get some scholarship money because I needed some cash. And so, hey, man, like I went to see this guy. His name was Don Kubit, and he was in charge of the scholarship program. And I said, I want to try to get a scholarship. And he's like, oh, okay, well, what, what's your story? I said, well, I'm in your news writing class, and I think uh, I could probably get some money out of this. He's like, oh, yeah, I remember your stuff. And he said, I, I, I always remember this. And I always tell kids this. He said, I, you're pretty good at this. And it was the first time somebody had said that outside of sports I could actually hear it. Because mm-hmm. I had not heard that and had it resonate in a long time. That meant something to in you. School. So I was like, okay. And he was like, well, why don't you come back? And he took an interest in me, and we started talking some more. And he got me involved in a couple things they were doing with academic uh, groups. And he basically became my mentor. And he said, look, if you want to do this, come back, take this class, take this class, and we'll see what happens. And he just started helping me figure out um, how to do this job. And uh, even at that point, I wasn't like, oh, this is going to be my career now. It was just like, these are easy classes. I'm getting A's. But did you like it? I, I liked it. I was having fun doing and this it. This is newspaper writing. Yeah, at, newspaper. At yeah, exactly. And so um, I took a couple courses from him, took an independent study course when I was a senior. And then I actually had to go out and get a job. I was about to graduate. And so I went to him and said, look, I don't like – I'd like to work in this field, but what, how, what, what can I do? Like, I didn't even know how the newspapers worked. I didn't know who worked for newspapers. And so he said, well, there's a couple of career fairs coming here. Why don't you go down there and see if you can find a job writing for somebody or doing PR or whatever. And I go to this fair and it's like, you know, GM, Chrysler, Anderson Consulting, all these big companies are here trying PR to find type jobs, PR right? type yep. jobs. And there's a little table over in the corner, the Ann Arbor News. Yeah. And I'm just like in a big, uh, fat, old white guy sitting there, like with nobody talking to him. And so I got my suit on. I go up to him. And I said, his name was Dave Bishop. And I said, hey, man, like, I just want you to know, I go to school here. Um, I've been doing some writing. I haven't done anything with a school paper. I haven't done anything. I've you written a couple. Late. Yeah, yeah, I did a couple articles for school. I've got like uh, some schoolwork I can show you, but I've, I've been an athlete. I'm from the area. I think I got some talent. And he said, well, hey, why don't you come back tomorrow and talk to uh, our publisher and see what he thinks. And what's the Ann Arbor news at this point? This is the Ann Arbor paper. It's a big enough paper, though. This is not yeah, some it's little. A, it's, it's, it's college town. You're it's, covering, a daily, right? it's a daily, right? It's a daily paper. What, what year is this? It's the Springfield 93. Gazette. Right. 1993. Yeah. And so in relation to the Fab Four, where are we at here? Oh, they were there. Story. Well, yeah, that yeah. was there. I'm getting to that part of the story. Is, but, this, yeah. but this is like, this. Yeah. just to let people know, this is, this yeah. is what's going the on. Fab Five was a big thing. The Fab Five, yeah. 
And so I come back, meet the publisher the next day, and he Fat says, Fat the Beatles. <laughs> hey, I yeah. heard one of those guys is dead. Right. No. Well, what? That's no. Jake. Other, uh, other podcast. So the, this is when the Fat Five is going on. Yeah, Fat okay. Five's going on, and uh, the publisher talked to him the next day. He said, hey, look, I can't give you a, a job because you're not experienced enough. I can't give you the internship because we've already hired some people, but what I can have you do once you come and work in the sports department, like do some part-time sports reporting, and let's see where it goes from there. And so I go. So you, this is just like hourly yeah, or, or hours, 20 yeah. bucks for a story exactly. or copywriting, whatever. Yeah, I forget okay. what it was, but I go to the, wasn't much. I go to meet the sports editor, corner room, big fat black dude sitting there, named Jason Whitlock. Come on. There <laughs> we go. Named Jason Whitlock. <laughs> yeah. He's the sports editor at the Ann Arbor. He, he's, he's the sports writer oh, for the sports Michigan writer. basketball okay. team. Okay. I was going to meet the sports editor, okay. and he was just in the corner typing, and we talked for a little bit. He's like, hey, man. Just so you know, I've been in your shoes. I played football, blah, blah, blah. Like, whatever they give you, you should take it and see what happens. Because that's how I got started. So the first impression was good with Whitlock. <laughs> yeah. But he right. but, but I, he gave you some good advice yeah. there. Mm -hmm. And so when you talked to him, like, okay, here's a guy that can at least relate to me as being a former athlete. Yeah. It's making the transition. Yeah. So that probably, you know. How we long like, did we like to have fun? It was, it with was a Whitlock, sign, but that yeah. actually yeah. maybe gave you a, a little and bit of how, confidence. How long till he said that he had uh, hiked the ball to Jeff George? Mm, did it that take didn't one second? Did not that first day? He didn't tell you that. I, that didn't come up. Okay. He was, yeah, he was. Uh, I remember looking at him and thinking, yeah, he. he He's not the tallest guy in the world, right. so I mean, I'm thinking, well, what position did you play? <laughs> right. And uh, <laughs> he's a big guy, but he's like, yeah, yeah. I played at Ball State. I was an old line, okay. And so we talked for a little bit, and then um, I just started like doing stories, and you know, we didn't, we weren't super tight, but there was a group of guys who would go out and do stuff after. Uh, so how big is the sports the, department at the Ann Arbor News in 1993? Oh, it's probably like 12 people. So that's a, that's, that's a, not even some of those people are part time. It's amazing that there's that many people who are doing that now in today's world. I mean that that might be what the Kansas City Star has. You totally. know what I mean? Yeah. I mean? There's so many more jobs back oh, then. They totally. may not roll yeah. what it was, but yeah, no, it was you had a lot of people, and a lot of young people. Yeah, but college town. Do you but, remember what you know. your first salary was, or what your first, how, how much you got paid your first job? I can't remember what. I was getting paid for the part-time job. My first salary was twenty-three grand okay. at the Ann Arbor News. And you got yeah. full-time. Yeah. And what happened there was basically I, I took the job. I the uh, I took that opportunity to do the reporting, and they said, "Well, hey, why don't we make you an intern, and you can do half of the internship in sports and the other half in news." When I was doing the news side of it, I was so like clued into the to the to the community, and I knew all the stories I wanted to do. I was always pitching stories. I was always trying to break stories. I loved the freedom of it. And I loved the writing, and I just was able to impress them. And they said, "Hey, you know what? You're good enough at this. You know, we'll give you a job." And so, by the time I was in the my July after my I graduated, they were like, "We're going to give you a job to be a police reporter." And and you loved it. I loved it. Yeah, I didn't know what a police reporter was, but hey, I was like, "You're going to pay me to do this." That's some fucking weird shit. I, I did that. I, I did that out of school. I, I covered police blotter for a while for a uh -huh. small newspaper. You hear some good shit yeah. going there. Have some oh, good yeah. conversations. You get deep into it. Yeah, yeah. Or, or like when the guy sits down, you can write about this, but don't write about this. Yeah. Like, oh, really? Yeah. Mm -hmm. That's some good. Yeah. Let's go. But to go back to Jason, like I think he was a big factor in me being able to get through that and and um, find my way because he definitely uh, took an interest in me. We became friends and helped me see that you could go. You could, he understood the transition I was trying to make, like going right. from being somebody who had been known for being an athlete to somebody who was trying to make. And he went from there living. to here? He goes straight he did. there? He yeah. did, yeah. I, so, I, yeah. So then how long did you stay in Ann Arbor at the news, and when did you get into sports? Well, I was going to – I became a pretty good police reporter, broke a bunch of stories, and um, 
I got big enough to where I was actually being offered jobs to go work at bigger markets. Mm-hmm. So I could have gone to Milwaukee. I could have gone to, to Dayton. To on work. the news side. On the news side. But I wanted to be a sports reporter. And so Whitlock said, hey, man, just so you know, I'm trying to do some big stuff here, too, and get out of here. And so he said, if you stick around, you could have my gig, mm-hmm. which was a big deal. Like, the, covering the Fat Five was a national, you know, you, you got a lot of attention for covering that right. basketball team. What about the Fat Four? Did they get to no, <laughs> so they did. But, but, yesterday's but news. The Fat Four, Chris Webber left. But, yeah. he, but he's, he, he's getting a lot. I mean, was he popular? Was He, he had a lot of attention. Oh, for yeah. He so, was very controversial. Okay. Yeah, he was. Yeah, he was controversial? Getting, really? Yeah, a little what? bit. A little bit. So he was, but he but did he write a column or was it just a reporter? He wrote both. He, okay. That's the thing. He wrote a column, but he also was a reporter. Okay. But so so he's causing problems for himself because he <laughs> would write all these hot opinions and he had to go cover these guys the next right. day. It's odd that he, he would cause problems for himself. <laughs> but but <laughs> we talk about the same guy. Are we talking about the same guy? I don't think we are. But, 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 yeah. but he's, I mean, you could see. So what he's doing, you want you want to do that. I want to do that. So you were excited yeah. about that. Yeah. Okay. And so we actually got to a point where we both were really ambitious because he's Jason's like five years older than me, but um, we both were trying to make our names. And so there was a, a big professional conference. The National Association of Black Journalists was having. They have a big conference every year uh, in the summer. And so we we're like, let's go down there and try to you know spread our resumes around and see what's going on. And we were kind of debating whether we should do it or not. And then. On a last-minute lark, we just said, let's just go do it. And I had, like, a little Ford Escort car, which was a really small, almost like a Don't tell like me. a Prius-level car. the same car? Yeah. And so no. he said, we're going to go. He called me the night before, let's just go. And so we hopped in the car. It was in Atlanta, which is a 10-hour oh, drive. Shit. And so we hopped in the car. And you he, drove the whole time, I drove right? the whole time. Yeah, he, he was in my drive. front seat. And I always tell people, it was like, people thought must have thought my airbag had gone on. <laughs> <laughs> In the car, it was just a big black mass <laughs> sitting next to me. Snuggle up, a big <laughs> black mass <laughs> filling up the deal. <laughs> so we go down there, we go down oh, there, and shit. we um, we we go. I'm talking to newspapers about news jobs, he's talking to sports editors about sports jobs. We come back, and he's like, dude, I think I got a chance to. It was some other paper, I forget, maybe I forget what I think it was like Charlotte or someplace was into him. It wasn't the star at first, and then it didn't work out. And then the star uh, got him in like an October of '94. Mm-hmm. He said, "I'm leaving," and he said, "You you can cover the basketball team now." And they moved me over oh, to cover wow. sports. They came here, and you were you fucking excited then. Yeah. Well, now the Fab Four or Five had gone. They weren't there anymore. Were no, they? they were still, still there. there. Yeah. yeah. So then, what was there. so, so then them, what yeah. was that like? Get to call me that fuck. Uh, it was, it, you know, it was a, a good learning experience for me. Like Jalen Rose and Juwan Howard had just left, so they had got both left to go in the NBA draft that so year. Jimmy so King, Jimmy King, Ray, Ray Jackson, Jackson were was left. Was, yeah, so it was kind of the dog year, the dog days the, of the, the Fab, fab Two. It, was, it wasn't even Fab. It right. was more like just these guys. The pretty good two. <laughs> yeah, I think they barely Robert made Traylor a tournament wasn't that there year. Yet. So it was he came the next year. But out of the five, it was just those two that were left. Okay. Yep. And then they got Robert Trailer and Maurice uh, Taylor the next year, and a couple other guys. Tractor Trailer. Uh, Albert White came in. He was going yeah. to put in the one up at Missouri at one hey. point. Yeah. Did his uncle advise him to, <laughs> to do go anything? Pros. He was there. There was so. some sketchy stuff going on with right. that group. But the bigger thing was the football. And ultimately, what ended up happening was I did it for a couple of years. And again, going back to the, the days that, that we were in at that time, you actually had to put, you had to print off clips. all your clippings. Yeah. Put them in an envelope and mail them out to whoever you wanted to have a look at them. They weren't finding it at ArborNews.net. No, no, they no. weren't there yet. Yeah, and so uh, there, I got a call in uh, in the summer of '96 from a sports editor named Glenn Schwartz in San Francisco. Worked for the Examiner, and he said, "Hey, the 
Raiders just moved back here from L.A. to Oakland, and I'm looking for a beat writer. I saw your stuff a couple of years ago when you were sending it out, and I want to uh, I want to have you come in here and, and work for us. What do you think? So you'd never covered any NFL at that point. The Ann Arbor News, you probably just took AP stories about the Lions. I mean, they were a thing. They, no one went over there and covered mm-hmm. the Lions. Mm-hmm. So the NFL, this is big time. It was foreign. Yeah. yeah. You're foreign like, you've world. never really done these talking about professional athletes. Yep. I mean, they were professional in Michigan, obviously, the, yep. all the money that had been paid for those guys to come to school there. I'm joking. No, of course they got a lot of money. Yeah. To school the there. fuck? But, ah, $50 you, in Wyoming. What do you think you, uh, Chris Weber got? More than $50? A little more. A little, yeah. Did you yeah. want to be around football, or did you not want to be around football? Uh, well, you know what? My editor at the time came to me and said, hey, you know, just so you know, I'm pretty impressed by the fact that you're getting an opportunity to cover the NFL. And I said, why? He said, well, usually young guys, they put them in baseball or put them in basketball because it's just they're easier sports to cover. Like, if you're covering the NFL, like, that's a big deal. Mm-hmm. Like that's like the premier sport, and you're going to go up against veteran guys, so they must. But you knew football, you. so I you had football. that going yeah. for you. Oh, yeah. And San Francisco is a huge market, multiple paper market yep. at that time, right? So, mm-hmm. what were all the papers out there then? Oh, it was the exam. There were two in San Francisco Examiner and the Chronicle. Chronicle. Examiner hey. was the afternoon paper. You had the Oakland Tribune, Oakland you had Tribune. the Contra Costa Times, San Jose Mercury News. This is big shit down there. And then you had a bunch of smaller papers. Yeah, it was, a, it was at least seven, eight papers. Now, when you grow up in Ann Arbor and Ypsilanti or whatever, I mean, you're, you're close enough to Detroit. Right. I mean, it's it's mm-hmm. like you can get over there if you want to yeah. go do something, but you're not part of it. And Detroit was a city that was kind of like fading, obviously, yeah. with all the issues there. You get the fucking the, San Francisco at that time. This is booming. Yeah. This is everything starting to it go. So when you decide to go out there, was this like I pack up the freaking Ford Escort and drive it? I, what what uh, well, was the decision like? And, and what was the, the uh, well, trip it's, out it's there? It's funny because there was a point. And like my, I worked in Ann Arbor for three years, and I was kind of like, I was getting a little bit restless, uh, I, you know, because I had kind of fallen into it. It wasn't like I was like, how many people go from Ann Arbor life. to Detroit though? Is that the natural move you want to get to that big that, city? That, that was a natural move, but for me, it was like, oh, maybe I should go to law school. Like my parents were always big on that. You could be a lawyer, you're a good writer, blah blah blah. You've only so, got one degree at what, this point. That's what, disappointing. Exactly. Yeah. What did they think of this profession though that you were in? They were kind of like, well, here's what my dad thought. I, remember, I always remember this You can't this make any moment. real money in this. This yeah. is bullshit, well, right? Uh, I remember my dad, when I graduated, um, took me out to dinner. And so he sat me down. My dad's really practical. And he's like, all right, so you're graduating. I'm proud of you, blah, blah, blah. You made it through. I wasn't certain how this thing was going to go after football stopped. And I said, you know, thanks. He's like, what do you want to do now? Like, what's your big plan? I said, you know what? I think I want to give this journalism thing a try. You know, I've been at that point. I was a part-time reporter, and it's like maybe I can get an internship out of it. He's like, okay, all right, all right. What's your uh, what's your plan B? And I, I said, uh, you know what? I really love movies. I think I might want to be an actor. <laughs> and he was like, you know what? Let's just oh, order boy. some food yeah. here. <laughs> and you stop. The more you talk, yeah. the worse the worse is getting. <laughs> now, at this point, so you're, you're, what is your twin brother doing at this point? He had been a Michigan State. Did, had your print twin brother graduated? Uh, he was about to graduate. He was about he, to graduate. Yeah, and what he, was he going to do? Uh, he had like a basic degree. I think it was communication or whatever. He was going to get a job. It wasn't so they, they, was, you, you guys had both disappointed your dad by not going on to yeah. graduate school or anything? Well, I think he was hoping that would happen at some point, that we would come You'll around. you grow up, and idea. that's why law school keeps popping years. up in here. Yeah. And, like, and I, was, I had taken the LSAT. I was about to take the LSAT when San Francisco called. Like, I was taking classes, prep classes, and was going to go take it, and... I went out to San Francisco and it drove me around. And I saw how pretty it was and how cool it was. And, and was I was it. trying to get more money. But I was just like, all right, here's a deal. I had a buddy of mine who I was living with who was a med school student. 
This is back in Ann Arbor. In Ann Arbor, yeah. Mm-hmm. He actually played basketball at Illinois, and he was going to medical school at Michigan. And he was about to graduate. He was going to have a big party. Now, you know Steve Bardo? He does a lot of college basketball. Yeah, sure. yeah, he's a big buddy. So he's, mm-hmm. Bardo was in town for this. Guy, right? yeah. yeah, he played with Kendall Gill and those guys. Mm-hmm. Marcus Weber now against Steven Bardo. Yeah. yeah, there you go. And so uh, I said, here's the deal. If I go to this party and I, I stay out late, I'm going to go to San Francisco because I'm not going to be able to do anything with this test. But if, I, if I'm responsible and I get home at a decent hour, I'm taking the test, journalism done, I'm going to go to law school. So you, hinge, you hinge it all on yeah, one party. All on party. this fucking, yeah. where's this party at? Yeah, it's like we went to like, started after some Kyle's bar, we wound up in Auburn Hills with some NBA Ooh. guys. It was like, Shit. I got home at 5 o'clock in the morning. You know how disappointed like, your to, dad would be if this is how you're making your yeah. decisions. Yeah, you got any stories about Auburn Hills? Yeah, I forgot, yeah. forgot that part yeah. too. Yeah. <laughs> I don't remember this guy's name. Yeah. So you get on the plane, That's you how it happened. you're choosing this job. So you go to San Francisco, this shit's expensive out there. This ain't Ann Arbor living. Mm-hmm. How'd you live out there when you on a on a cub uh, reporter salary at the very beginning? Shops is expensive in San Francisco. Yeah. You can't yeah can't, can't get it by the case there. Uh, actually, I I got lucky. I lived in Oakland, mm-hmm. which was less expensive than San Francisco. And you wanted to be over there because that's where they that's are where training the and all training this stuff, at. right? Yeah, I mean, you kind of made it work. I mean, it wasn't like when you're 25 years old, you're, you don't you're, need you much. don't need much. And so, uh, but I do remember uh, the big turning point for me when I was there. And when I really thought, okay, journalism is, I'm good at this. It was, I, there was a big story. Mike White. You guys know Mike mm-hmm. White from the old balls over the there. Balls. Old, balls old balls over balls. there. He was still young balls. We're yeah. positive that Mike White, yeah. they were playing a tape of him on a phone call balls. with us once. Yeah. Yeah. He was the head coach of the Raiders at the time. And he, um, there was a lot of talk about him getting fired. And so there was a guy I knew who I'd met. My big thing when I first got there, I didn't know how to cover a pro team, so I would just go to the games early and I would just try to talk up people and chat yeah. up people and, and try to, to figure out meet people. Because you're you're going, you don't know anybody. Know anybody? So I met this one guy who would he played football at Ohio State. He was in their personnel department. We'd have breakfast and talk about college football and all that stuff. And so I ended up calling him up like a couple weeks before the end of the season, and I said, "Hey, man, I always talk about Mike White getting fired. Like, what do you think is going to happen?" His name was Bill, mm-hmm. and he was just like, uh, "He's like, I tell you what." I'm the only guy in a building that when Al gets his every day, Al has a diet Coke and like a cheeseburger or something like that. Like I bring it to him. We sit and talk. And yesterday the day we were talking and the old man says, you know what? Mike White's done. And, I, and, I and said, who is this guy that would do it? His name was Bill Urbanic. He was a, a personnel guy. Oh Yeah. Okay. Yeah. For the Raiders. And so uh, I said, is that you sure about this? And he goes, yeah. I said, if I write that, Am I going to look like a fool? He's like, nope. It came right from his mouth. And trust me, he didn't talk to anybody else. No one else knows it's coming but me. And so uh, I go write it. I, I wrote it for our afternoon paper. And so there was a Monday night game. The, the Niners were playing somebody, some big game on Monday night. And so the paper came out, and people in the press box were telling me that there were people in the press box who were like, this is bullshit. Like, this kid doesn't know what he's talking about. The only person who knows what Al Davis is going to do is Al Davis. And, and it was hard to get news out of the Raiders. How did you write it? Did you see? I wrote it like they're going to fire. I said sources. A team source says Mike White is getting fired. And these other people. So you go team source. They want you to be fucking wrong because then they got fucking beats. They want exactly. They want to fucking exactly. Right. So I had hopped on a plane, and I I was flying home for Christmas vacation, and when that story was had come out, and so I I uh, got the next day, and my boss called me. He's like, guess what? Guess what happened? 
And I said, Mike White got fired. He said, yep, Mike oh, White just got right. fired. And he's like, hey, great job. And so I called my, my, my guy, Bill, and I said, hey, Bill, man, thanks for doing that for me, man. It's like I really appreciate it. And he's like, you know why I, I did that for you? And I said, no, why? He said, because you were the only guy who treated me like a person. Right. You saw wow. Everybody else has walked past me, didn't think I was didn't think I was worth a shit. He said you were the only guy who ever sat down and talked with me. And, and I never forget I never forgot that. And he was a personnel guy. Personnel guy. That you just warmed up to and talked to and yep. struck up a friendship. Well, that's what yep. this that's what wow. the beat is all about. You got to know people and yep. meet people and talk to them yep. and all those things. On the journalistic side of that thing right here. So you have that source. It's it's a one source. Mm-hmm. But it's only one source, right? Mm-hmm. Not two sources. Yep. What was the editorial process like when you say this is going to happen? You you told your boss Listen, this is fucking gold. Yeah, yeah. But then there, you know, the old school stuff is like, wait a second, how are we going to verify source, this? What, what was that yeah. like? Well, it wasn't like for us, it wasn't one, two sources. It was just like, hey, do you trust the reporter? Because my mm-hmm. boss had been a reporter and there wasn't, and they wanted to win. So when you're in a, you know, I don't know if there was two papers in this town. There was back was, in the day, but Times and the Star. Okay. Yeah. So when you have two papers, you're trying to do whatever you can to win. And mm-hmm. we were the smaller papers, so you had to take chances. Right. And so it's like, if we, if they knew me well enough to know that, I wouldn't bullshit them. And if I if it blew up my face, then it would have been bad. But they just said, okay, let's run with it. So you treated differently then? Because everyone was like doubting you, this young reporter. Oh, yeah, it changed you in a hurry. you this fucking story, then how did it change? Yeah, it changed in a hurry. Because then all of a sudden, I got a whole bunch of more stories coming out of that. And it was just like, okay, this Well, now this is, is the guy who knows shit. Let's, let the people, cause here's what I've found when we've done this for 20-some fucking years. People love to tell you shit. Mm-hmm. When they think you're someone who's going to tell everyone else. I mean, how many emails, phone calls, texts, weird stuff have you gotten over the years? How many tips have you gotten for no reason? I mean, it's just, there's something about what we do, and I think it's changed over the years, but especially back then, fuck, man. Like, when you you broke something in a a paper, it's impossible anymore to break something in the paper. You have to fucking tweet it when you find out, right? But back then, people would just love to say, I'm the fucking guy who told him that. And it lasted for a long time. If you broke a story, it lasted for 24 hours. And so if it was, if they 10, they were talking about it, like, all day long, giving you credit, and they want to Mm -hmm. talk to you, and it gets you. And so I also remember talking about Whitlock. I remember you mentioned Jeff George. When Jeff George was a quarterback for the mm-hmm. Raiders and John Gruden came in, that same source we were talking, he was just like, hey, man, I keep hearing this name around here that you should know about. And I said, who is it? He said, Rich Gannon. I said, Rich Gannon from Kansas City? He's like, The yeah. guy that won't even play in the yeah, playoff yeah. games? He said, Gruden loves Rich Gannon. I said, well, what about Jeff George? He's like, he hates Jeff George. <laughs> and I said, really? And Jeff George had been like whatever. Yeah, put up some good numbers. And they and brought blah, him in, yeah. blah, 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 big contract. And so... I was talking to Whitlock about this, and I said, man, I think your boy's in trouble. He's like, Jeff? And I go, yeah. He's like, why? He said, because they're talking about Rich Gannon coming here. He's like, Rich Gannon? You're kidding me. He's like, the, Jason's to- here at that point. Yeah, Jason's yeah. here. He said, well, you may want to talk to Jeff about that. So he calls George up, and he's just like, hey, man, how are you with, uh, with Gruden? He's like, oh, Gruden, my boy, man. I love Gruden. Gruden loves me, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. He's like, that's not what I'm hearing. <laughs> Gruden's a snake, dude. <laughs> and we had these conversations like over the course of a week. Like I would call up, hey, you sure that they're bringing Rich Gannon in here? And they're thinking about signing him. He's on, he's on the premises. It's like, well, Jeff keeps saying that Gruden loves him. Gruden loves him, blah, blah, blah. And then as soon as they sign Rich Gannon, George was like, what the fuck just uh, happened? <laughs> just happened? I that's told that, you. Is that Gruden like Gruden is as cunning as they come? Mm-hmm. He was young come. back then he too. Was but young. He was sneaky. Oh, he was so 34, you 35. are so you're there. So then so you're you're the beat reporter 
for the Raiders from yeah. how, from when until I covered when? them for a couple of years, and then all of a sudden I had a lot of people trying to offer me jobs to come to bigger markets, um, well, bigger shit, papers, yeah. and uh, they let me cover like more of a national thing where I could do the 49ers too. And then um, this is all still the Examiner. The Examiner, mm-hmm. yeah. And then um, I was there for four years, and then the uh, and then uh, Mike Silver uh, was always hanging around both teams because he's from the Bay Area, and he he met me. He was like, "Hey man, I like your stuff." It's like. Oh, you mind if I show it to my bosses? And who was he writing for at the time? SI? SI. Who's that SI? So before we get too far away, who was the <laughs> who was the little the little guy from the Raiders? The older guy that was always was a, that was like Al Davis's right hand oh, man. Oh God, what what's his was name? Al, Al, Al Yeah, yeah. Al Locus Al. Al Locus yeah. Al, yeah. Al Al. <laughs> Did he have some, some stories about him, or just like well, there, you had to have seen some weird shit from Al Davis and that group, Mark oh. Davis? Right? Before, <laughs> oh, I just didn't want to leave. Oh yeah, Al Sal, he was the cheerleader guy. Was like, he was the guy some... that always did the cheerleader tryouts, and he, he would always send out a press release saying, "Make sure that we're having cheerleader tryouts. Make sure you wear something that's scantily clad, oh, not oh, <laughs> revealing." Like, it was like the most. You couldn't even write this stuff today. Oh. It was, Who did he send this like, out to? Yeah. He just said that day. He put it on the paper. <laughs> put it on the paper. But like, was, make but sure, this, make I sure just, you're basically wearing thongs and bras yeah. for the workout. Because that seemed like he's, he's eccentric, like Al Davis and Al Locus Al. That, fucking, that had to have been a weird, yeah. weird fucking people to fucking cover. Oh, oh yeah. yeah. And, you know, you probably heard from... Other NFL people, it's like unlike anywhere in the NFL, right? So oh, yeah, it was yeah. a weird deal yeah. out there. Oh, you would you would sit in the pre- I would watch the games in the press box, and Amy Trask would fucking cheer and shit. Yeah. Maybe cheering. Yeah, the press and if box whenever it was a big, but you hear a, you'd hear like the hand <laughs> yeah. hitting the hitting the, oh, hitting the table. Oh, it's like what the fuck is going on? It was just like it was bizarre. Did you deal yeah. with him at all? I, a few times. Like, yeah. What was that? Uh, he was, you know, he was just an odd dude. I mean, he was. I, I always feel like. Uh, I, th- I always felt like I did, did well there because I was always the kind of person who would just talk straight to you. Right. I was never kind of like, ah, let me just bullshit you or whatever. I would just talk straight. And, and the first time I got there, I remember he'd walk across the, around the practice fields at the end of the day in his white jumpsuit with his black patent leather shoes. There and we go. I said, can I walk with you? He's like, yeah, sure, let's walk. And we just walk and talk. And oh, my God. What was that like? It was bizarre. It was, it was like the, the end of The Godfather, the first Godfather, where the guy sitting when uh, – Brando sitting in the tomato field yeah, with the yeah. sun. He was at that level. <laughs> yeah, and like, this oh, was like, he lived for like 10, 15 more years after that. But it was just, um, I always respected his football knowledge. And he's kind of almost like a savant talking to him. But yeah, he was definitely a little bit crazy. I mean, he definitely was a different type of dude. Um, I remember being in Seattle one time and there was a, a guy running back named Steve Smith who played for the Seahawks, who played for the Raiders for a long uh-huh. time. And they'd had some kind of beef in the locker room and, Smith wanted to fight the dude, and he was like had to be held back. I remember from fighting the old man. I remember talking to Al afterwards. Said, "What would you think of that?" He's like, "He's like that dude. That dude wanted to try me. I can't believe he wanted to try me because he would have got his ass kicked." Just look like Marcus Allen, the relationship they had, and he ends up in Kansas City. Yep. And so then you're. So then, how do you leave the Bay Area? Well, Silver had seen my stuff, and he said, "Hey, I want to." talk to you and want my have my bosses check out check you out and do you mind if i send your stuff over to him i said sure and i didn't think anything of it at the time sports illustrated was like was like going yeah. to michigan as a college that football was it. player it was just like that was the end all be all and uh i actually went to puerto rico with some friends after the season was over in 2000 and uh 
we were like on a remote part of this island where it was only like you had to walk down the street to a telephone booth that had like chickens running around mm-hmm. it, it to make a phone call. And so I, because I was checking my cell phone, I was like, oh, I got a phone call from this guy from Sports Illustrated and wanted to talk to me. So I called the guy back and his name was Rob Flater. And I said, uh, hey, I got your call. What's up? And he's like, hey, Jeff, I'm glad you called me back. We want to have you come in here and um, talk about a job here. And I was like, okay, well, just so you know, I'm not, I'm not trying to be a reporter. Like the, the, that was a, like the entry level right, job yeah. was a reporter, fact checker. I'm not, I'm not trying to be a reporter. He's like, no, I want you to come in here and be a writer. And I'm like, what? And he was like, yeah. I was like, can you come in here anytime? I'm, I'm in Puerto Rico right now <laughs> in the middle of nowhere. But yeah, it's like, how about, uh, and I was going to go to Europe too. And I said, how about I come in here like uh, in like a, in a month or so? I am I'm kind of tied up. He's like, yeah, sure. And so I go in there, go fly to New York City, walk in the office. And even still, I'm like, is this really happening? Yeah, what's going on? Like, with are they interviewing here? me? Like, who's competing for this job? This and they're is, like, yeah. how old are you? I was 29. So this, I mean, this is an accelerated yeah. path yeah. you're on. Yeah. So yeah. I'd gone from like, yeah, from being whatever, 22. Not knowing what I was going to do at this career conference. You still thinking about being an actor here? No. But SI is the pinnacle. Yeah. It was the pinnacle. Yeah. And so I was like, yeah, I'll, yeah. They were like, you want the job? And I said, yeah. Like, what are you going to pay me? And it was like 90 grand or something like that. I was like, can I get a little bit more? And they were like, no, that's all we're paying you. I was like, okay, I'll take it. And, from that point on, it was just like, all right. And so, did you have to relocate? Did you have to go? To no, they said you could stay where you're at. You, know, you have to move. So where were you? So were you, I was still in the San Francisco okay. Bay Area. Yeah. And so then, what did they tell you you're going to come? Yeah. What are you writing? NFL. I was coming to NFL. So the, then yeah. you just how did <laughs> yeah. that work? Then, like you said, I want to go yeah. to this oh. game. I want to go here on a Wednesday, and just you just go. Yeah. It literally was that way. Literally, you would basically. It you was so weird. Oh, they tell you a little bit of both. Okay. Like, but it was so weird because the first. Um, story they gave me was on Brian Erlacher, who was uh, coming out of school. He's at New Mexico playing football, and they said, "Why don't you go down here and do a story on him?" And they sent me down there in like, uh, God, in like uh, it was before the draft, so it had to be like April, uh, whatever. And the story was going to run in like May, right? Yeah, like, that's like a different kind after, of writing. After the mini right. But I was just like, I got like two months to do this. I was like, yeah. And so I flew down to New Mexico and hung out with him and his buddies for a couple of days and went over to Ooh. where he's from in New Mexico, his hometown. I did all this stuff. And then I remember going back to the to the room to write because I went to a mini camp in Chicago when he first showed up there. And I was like, oh, my God, I spent all this time reporting this stuff. Like, what am I going to say? Like I have, it's like having like five pounds of notes yeah. that you have to cull down into like fifteen hundred words. And no you, you've never yeah. done this kind of reporting done, before, and, and no yeah. immediate deadline. You got time to work with, yeah. And everything. Like, yeah. And so okay. I'm just like sitting there, like, what am I gonna write? And I got used to it after a while, but um, yeah, it was so bizarre because you'd write like ten stories a year, and you wouldn't do anything else. You would likely have months on end where, and, and it was it was great. It was the, I still say it was the greatest job I've ever had because. I could say, I want to go spend a week in Miami, seeing if there's a story here on Dan Marino, and you could go stay at the swankiest hotel in South Beach. You could go, you know, all of it. Yeah, you could have the nicest dinners, and the reporters would, the writers would tell you that they would yeah. say, if you you travel anywhere, you spend as much money as you can, and probably they would cut they their would own be nose like, off go. and spite their face so, at that point because so, we probably should have been smarter about those things, and maybe they wouldn't have cut <laughs> all those guys. Like, it was so much money, man. It was crazy. You were there how long? I was there for seven years. Okay, give me. The best story that you're most proud of, or you, or the one that you had the most fun doing, and the worst one that you fucking hated, or you didn't like doing, or just your worst experience. Uh, let me see. 
You know, God, seven years—that's a lot of good shit. It's a lot right of there. stories. It's only like six stories. The way they well, they work these yeah. guys. Well, I think the, my favorite's always going to be uh, uh, Tom Brady's first Super Bowl um, when he was it was his my second year working for the team. It was his first year as a starter, and he got knocked out. That was always that was also nine eleven year, mm-hmm. so it was a crazy year anyway. I, I had moved to New York City by then, so I moved to New York City to kind of be closer to the office and see how things worked. And that was New Orleans. That was in New Orleans. And, I, and you don't re- you don't remember this? And I kind of that's I first, do remember that's, you. Yeah. That's the first time I met you because I was yeah. down there with Whitlock. Yeah, I remember you hopping out the car with Whitlock. Yeah, and, yeah. So It's my friend Jeff. Ch- and I was I would do you, do you remember who's in that Jeff car? Jeff George was in there Jeff too. Jeff George's what? wife, me, yeah. and Whitlock get out of the car. Then we were going to some party like they Hard party. Rock Cafe or some place like that. We're going. This is this is probably we're going to Jamal Anderson's. Super Bowl party. Dirty Bird yeah. party. But there was another party that someone's had at the same time that everyone had fucking gone to. Uh, so we go up there. It's me. And I, did you go up there with us? Or I, was, I went to. I remember being in the Hard Rock was, Cafe. It was yeah. me, and then Whitlock, Jeff George's wife, Tom Arnold. Hmm. And cl- yeah, Tom Arnold. I remember <laughs> that. Clearly two prostitutes yeah. with no, no question, right? Uh, and you remember Ludacris was a DJ. Yeah. And they had this massive spread of food. But nobody there. Nobody it was, was why, fucking it was empty. there. It was empty. Yeah. And we're looking around, and, and someone, some other player, a higher profile player, was having a party mm. somewhere else, and we were all there. And so do you remember, <laughs> you remember what happened? Uh, so we were there, and Whitlock, so what you didn't know, was Whitlock was battling a very bad case of the gout. This motherfucker wore a suit... And so here's here, there's some I, I imagine I've been lucky enough I haven't had the gout. I imagine there's some things you don't do when you have the gout. One of them wears some hard new hard ass shoes with no socks. <laughs> <laughs> and this motherfucker, you know, no, no, my, my Troy McSwain had this suit made for me. You know, all yeah. this, so he's wearing these shoes, and this motherfucker is in agony, right? Uh, and then pretty poof, soof, poof. and then and it's getting ready to storm, right? And so we're in there. And there, I remember, like the windows were somehow or whatever, but you hear, yo, hey, yo, <laughs> look out the window, and we're like, gotta go, got to, gotta go. <laughs> he just <laughs> left me. getting the fucking cab, <laughs> and he leaves me. He, I, I got to go. <laughs> and later on, I find out. I go back to the fucking hotel room. There's fucking blood involved. Oh, got fucking, and it was a fucking nightmare. So anyway, he leaves me there with. Jeff George? Jeff George and his wife. <laughs> and then there was a fucking storm coming down. And then we had to take a cab. Very nice. Oh, yeah. Jeff George is a very nice oh, guy. Super nice, dude. But, but that's the first time I fucking met yeah. you. I oh, remember shit. you know, a big old car on, <laughs> on Canal Street. You guys all hopped out. Did, we uh, so, how many cover stories did you get? Did you, get, did you ever get a cover story? Or is I that did a first? bunch. Yeah, I did a bunch. I so, what like was it like the first 30. time you got a cover oh, story? Well, I was going to take yeah, that. was the. Uh, I'll finish the Tom Brady story that um, we we're talking about. This wasn't. <laughs> I did a story on Tom Brady earlier in the year, but at the end of the, once you got to the Super Bowl time, Mike Silver would write the 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 lead story, right. and we'd all help him, like myself, Peter King, uh, Josh Elliott, who later became a host on Good Morning America. Yeah, mm-hmm. we'd all go out and report. So I had to go uh, follow Tom Brady because I knew him and had to, did the story on him. And so uh, I went to Tom in the locker room after the game was over and said, "Hey, man, we're going to do a big story on you, and I need to follow you out of here." 
which at the time, again, thinking back to it now, there's no way, no way. security would allow you to happen. He's like, all right, well, come on with and, me. And how did you know him from before? I did a story on him when he started blowing up for the Patriots okay, so you earlier in the year. But you'd also told him right. you're a yeah. Michigan man. Yeah, you love it. Yeah, we had a good connection. We're still friends And he's from the Bay Area, and you'd been at the Bay Area. You guys are like brothers. Oh, we had a lot of connections. This is your fucking guy. Yeah, he's my guy. follow him out. And so he takes me on the bus. Uh, you get on the, the fucking team get on bus. Team bus. No Roll fucking out. chance having a <laughs> Get on the team bus. We go back to the hotel. We're walking through the lobby. All the Patriots fans are there going nuts. It's me and Tom and Willie McGinnis and Lori Malloy. And they're probably just thinking I'm just one of Tom's buddies or whatever. So we're all walking together. We get on the elevator and somebody tries to get on with us. And Willie's like, nope, just players. Just players coming here. I'm just <laughs> laughing about this. We go up to the hotel. Tom's, uh, Tom's girlfriend shows up. And then his buddy shows up agent comes in and they're just sitting there watching the game hanging out like Tom's going crazy Patriots win their first championship ever he's a kid he's a kid and at one point he's just like oh uh Bill just called I gotta go see I gotta talk to him and uh he went up there and he just found out he was supposed to go to Disneyland because uh, he was the MVP of the right. game and mm-hmm. so he said to, to Bill I said hey, Bill you mind if I go to Disneyland after this, he's like, instead of going back to the team, he's like, dude, you just won the championship, Super Bowl. You can do whatever the fuck you want to do. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so he comes back, and he's sitting there on the, on the bed with his girlfriend and his buddy. And I'm like, I'm looking at this girl. I'm like, this chick's probably got about eight weeks. Yeah. Tops. <laughs> it's about over. This, this guy is 25-year-old. He's a good-looking dude. There's an expiration date it's on like, this. If she's still here in fucking uh, March, I'll be shocked. And Obviously, yeah. the Mary Giselle bunch of, dead, dead bunch of chicks, but it was just – that's always my favorite story because it was just – that's what you could do with that side back in those days. You had that kind of He that was kind of so – I remember how it, it, innocent, like, it was for him. He would just was, was really like a kid. I remember the next year – I think the next year, remember at the Super Bowl, because they didn't – that's the year they didn't make the playoffs, mm-hmm. right? That was uh, Raiders mm-hmm. and, and Tampa. Mm-hmm. And I remember being – I went over to, like, the media center at one point, and they were – they would have it was a Super Bowl MVP. It was like a Cadillac or some something, oh. and they had last year's Super Bowl MVP come be at the press conference. And I think he said that that was the first car he ever had in his life that he owned was the one he got yeah. for fucking winning the Super Bowl. And I was like, I can't I can't believe that the same person now no. was that guy. Yeah, and to be able to be like have a have a front. You know, row seat for that had been really fun as a reporter. Oh yeah, and the shit yeah. that just doesn't happen anymore. Yeah, it doesn't happen. You don't have that kind of access. People aren't as trusting. Uh, again, I, you, back in SI in those days, you could go anywhere, and you showed up. They were going to give you whoever you wanted for however long you wanted them, and it was it was just understood. It was it was an honor. To have SI want to do right. a story, you on get you. a fucking right at you get a leather bound copy of uh, the fucking like the yearbook and, oh, a, yeah. and a t-shirt if you get a fucking subscription. That's right, right. <laughs> right. <laughs> New England fans, it's yeah. the moment you've been waiting for. So what was so, the shitty story? Yeah, though? what was the worst you had a bad experience one? you had? Oh, someone fuck you over on something? Or some fucking asshole, or something fucked up, or they so, lied to you. I'm trying to think if there was a bad story there. Um, a bad subject. I remember just I remember when Jake Plummer was had gotten to the Broncos. Uh, we were going to do a cover story on him. That was a big deal that he was like, you know, he had had, uh, it was the Broncos were always, people it's, forget this now. They were always trying to find a quarterback after mm-hmm. John Elway. Remember that? They went through a ton sure. of different oh, yeah, guys. Yeah. We, so we, got, we watched that. When Ryan they got Jake Greasy Plummer, it was supposed or... to be the big thing. Yeah. Right. Jake Plummer Jake was. Snake. And so uh, they said, hey, we want you to go down there and talk to Jake Plummer. We're going to do a big cover story. And I said, okay, great. Call the Broncos. They, you know, great PR staff. Come on in. We'd love to do it. Blah, blah, blah. And so I go in there, I got all my questions ready. I'm ready to like really go at it and have a good time, conversation. Sit down with Jay Plummer. He walks in to the meeting room. I got 10 minutes. 
And right. I'm like, who says that? Him? Jake Plummer. Yeah. Oh, I got 10 minutes him. for you. I'm like, you kidding me? I said, we're doing a cover story, man. He's like, I know. That's, that's how this I got it. This is Sports Illustrated. Sports Illustrated. This, this ain't like the Denver Post. Yeah. And then yeah. The, yeah. The, the, the Platte yeah. County Tatler. Yeah. And Whoa, so I'm like, <laughs> and so I had to like scramble and uh, come up whatever the 10 most important questions I wanted to ask him, I had to throw at him. And then I said, hey, man, and which is what you learn this as, as a writer or reporter over time. It's like, you know, if you can't get it from the source, find other people who can get it for you. And so I said, hey, man, you mind? He was getting engaged. I said, you mind if I call your wife up? Uh, your, your your fiance and talk to her. He's like, yeah, sure, go ahead and give a call. She gave me like a four hour interview, mm-hmm. like gave me all kinds of good stuff, and the whole story was really about what she gave me. Right. But I always remember that walking in there, it's like this dude, man. Come it's on, just man. like You're Jake Plummer. Ten minutes to do a cover story, like and that that was tough because you came back with that, and like there were like there was pressure because when you were at SI in those days, all the best writers in the country were there, and so you were competing to to have like whatever you put it put in print, it better be fucking amazing because it wasn't it was going to pale in comparison to everybody else's if, if it wasn't up to snuff fucking mm. jake Plummer. and so yeah. then then why do you leave sports illustrated uh i got to a point i think when i was working in new york uh, jim rome started a tv show and his producer michael mann who's become a friend of mine would have me come out and do some stuff from time to time rome is burning rome is, is burning show, yeah. yeah and they were kind of fighting that they didn't like the idea of having writers going and doing tv stuff and then I would start doing some stuff. ESPN was its first take now, but it used to be cold pizza. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but you were, were, you were an aspiring actor. So <laughs> <laughs> I kind of felt that, yeah, I feel that urge. And so I uh, ended up going over theater. to, uh, <laughs> I would do stuff for them. It was cold pizza. They would actually have different writers come on. And there were a lot of people who came through that. They'd call it like cover two. They'd have two reporters together that. and yeah. they would give him news and notes. So, you know, Chris Broussard did it. Uh, Ken, what's his name? He's like, Ken Rosenthal would do it. Uh, Pat Forty would do it. Yeah, a lot of people who did it, Steve Weiss, a lot of people who did it, and went on, it, it was a huge boost to their careers. Yeah, I think one of the best things that helped a lot of those writers back in that time was the fact that they started putting TV shows on, right. yep. and you got to fucking fill time. Yep. Let's find some people. And if you find a writer who knows shit, who actually will talk, because yep. sometimes you get writers on, and they, they write, they don't talk, yep. right? So you, gotta, you get that little double deal, and it helps, helps really – Get your brand out there. And you're right? still at SI when you're I'm doing this? I'm still at SI when I'm doing it. But I ended up having a conversation with um, uh, one of the producers of the show, a guy named Mike McQuaid, about like, hey, you know what? Like, uh, what's over at ESPN? What's it like over there? Blah, blah, blah. And he's like, if you want to come, I'll like help facilitate that. And I remember having a, we had a big, con- it was always a big issue at SI about writing online. They started their website, SI.com, and they were like, there was a lot of writers who didn't want to write for it. Like, what, It was like beneath them. Oh, right? yeah. And, and so I was like, this is the future, guys. Like, we got to embrace this. Radio was beneath a yeah. lot of writers. I, a lot of shit, yeah. you know, yeah. a lot of things to, were beneath them. They didn't want to do it. And I said, this is the future. I remember having a conference call, and there was this big uproar. Writers were like, we shouldn't be doing this, blah, blah, blah. The old school guys. The old school guys. And the editors Who were some were of the writers? And f- I said, well, I'm not, oh, I remember Grant Wall was one of them. I oh, yeah. He was a young guy. That yeah, he was sense. a young guy, and it didn't make sense. Um and so uh, ultimately, I was just like, I think we're get, kind of getting left behind here. I think this is a place that's going to yeah. like. And, and so I said, uh, and so McQuaid set up a, an audition um, with uh, the people back in Bristol and they had me up. And I, I was like, I'm out, man. They gave me a good contract and I left. At the time, people thought I was nuts to do it because they were like, why would you leave aside to go work at ESPN.com or do stuff? ESPN was still like. So it was, it was still okay, okay they, but it wasn't like SI. They hired like, you to do what? Yeah, write in. They hired me to write on in on, 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 and do uh, do that show, Cold Pete's, to do, do debate with Skip Bayless on first take. 
Yeah, and so there was like they had like a revolving door of like oh. myself and Jamel Hill and Howard Bryan and Patrick McEnroe, all these different people would come on and do. Because uh, Woody 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 uh, Page had left, yeah. he had left the yeah. show, so they were. So what was this like with fucking Skip Bayless? The I want to, I need you to be honest. Yeah, I always liked Skip, I, and I'd bet Skip at other places because Chicago Tribune had tried to hire me when I was still in San Francisco, and I talked to him then about he was the columnist at that at that place at the time. And uh, it was it, Skip was cool. It was just the process because you had to fly to Bristol, which is a, a painful place to go to. You're living really in New York. I was then? living in I was living in Kansas City. I moved to Kansas okay, City by that point. Okay. Why did here. you move to Kansas City? Oh, that's a long story. I was uh, my girlfriend and fiance at the time was from Joplin and went to school in Missouri, a and girl? so I moved okay. here. Girl, yeah, exactly. That's a short version. You moved of here it. for but, love. But, but yeah. was Whitlock was here? Whitlock was here. Did you move here for Whitlock? Just be nah, fucking honest. Nah, it's, it's, we were kind of chasing each other around the country for a while there. But, you, but, but, yeah. but, but it, it makes it like Kansas City is in the middle it of everything. Easy, yeah. everywhere. And so you, you, you go out and Skip Bayless what, wasn't always what he is now. It, no. it kind of it was a, it was a process what he turned yeah. into, yeah. which is wildly successful. But, yeah. Yeah. you know, he appears to be. Does he believe crazy. what he says? Yeah, yeah, he okay. does. I, I think I think worse. I think he'll make himself believe it. He'll make there himself you go. believe it. At the, at the time, like at, but you know, to me, it was he. He gave me again one of those people in my life that gave me some really good advice at an important pivotal time. Because when we, when that show moved to Bristol from New York City, they lost a lot of people who wanted to stay on the show, and and um, and it was kind of a weird thing. You had to fly into Bristol on a Sunday Sunday night. Get up at like six o'clock in the morning. Come in, do production meetings. They get, put you in the little hotel there. Oh, they, they, they sent drivers well, and shit though, didn't yeah. they? It was like a, you know yeah. they they were good at it. Is this still the same show? Is it still? Yeah, it's still first take. Okay, yeah. so first, yeah, first but take. but yeah. back then it was it was there was a debate part of it. It was first and ten, right? Mm -hmm. okay. And so that would be within the show. It was right. more of a variety. It was like get up with a debate show, put in the middle of it. So were you enjoying this more than Sports Illustrated, or are you thinking, ah, uh, fuck? It wasn't. I missed. I loved Sports Illustrated when it was in its heyday, and then they just started like you know hemorrhaging money and right. you know bad deals. Because you spent a week in Miami right. at the fucking yeah. so was, and dragging their I was feet. Part of the problem, you know, yeah. going you yeah, know, advancing into the, the future. And so yeah, so you'd go in there and you'd spend a week. You'd get up, do this, get you done. Did every and there'd day. be nothing to do after yeah. after you got done at like noon. You'd go around, sit in your hotel room, watching TV. And so was there wild shit going on in the Bristol campus? It's uh, you know, I don't remember any of that because I would just come and go. But working there was like working for General Motors. Yeah, it was it's like a it was like a factory, yeah. like where Sports Illustrated was like a boutique. You walked mm -hmm. in and you just had. But anyway, uh, at one point they started going to a more uh, a different kind of debater with Skip. They wanted to have a more uh, bombastic personality, and so they went. They brought Stephen A. back. Yeah. They brought in the, the the two live stews, and I was just like, I remember going to Skip. I said, Skip, that's not really my personality. Um, I'm fine with giving opinions and I think I have strong opinions and I have good, you know, good thoughts on stuff. I think I'm a thoughtful person, but like, do you think I should be more like these guys in order to last on this show? And I was talking about doing these 60 and they weren't crazy about me doing that show anyway, because it was, again, it was a difference of uh, a different audience. Mm -hmm. That was a good show. And he was just like, he's like, Jeff, let me tell you this, like, the one thing I've learned in this business is that if you try to be fake, you know, try to not try to be who you aren't it's going to show up 10 times worse to people who are watching at home. It's like, you're never going to be able to fake it out there. And so, and be honest with you, like, I like what you do when you're with me. My girlfriend, who's now his wife, likes what you do. You bring out a different aspect in the conversation, but 
I would never tell you to come to out not here and be, just not, not be yourself. who you are. Yeah. And it, it was the best advice I ever got. And it was like I ended up moving towards E60 and never looking back. And the show went in a different direction. But he was just like, it was a very, very sincere, like, this don't ever change who what, you are. What was the intro in E60? What were you, were you on your phone? You're walking or something? Yeah. <laughs> That's right. I used to love that. Fucking, yeah. what, what were you doing? That yeah. show's gone now. All those promo shots. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it's still around, but I think on? COVID hurt it a lot. Yeah, like COVID killed the because you couldn't really go out and spend time stories, with people. Yeah, I like those those stories. I like I like D sixty, but those stories I like real sports on HBO. Yeah, long too. stories. Th- those things are just better for me. I don't. Maybe it doesn't sell. I guess what sells is yelling at each other on yeah. TV in the morning. I guess that's how it's it fucking cheap. works. It I is. You just have to yell. Like you don't have to, to go anywhere. So then, so then, so then, how do you so after ESPN? Yeah, I came here NFL Network. So how did that happen? Uh, kind of a similar situation happened with um, with ESPN. Like I didn't realize this at the time, but uh, well, a couple of things. At one, when I got to ESPN, the second year I was there, the recession hit, mm-hmm. the, the housing crisis hit. So two thousand nine ish, two thousand nine ish. So my contract was for three years, and it was like, okay, like I, I was in a really bad place in terms of leverage and negotiation, and like barely I was able to, I took a huge pay cut to stay there and they, they've been bringing me back for a four year deal. But when I, in, in between that time I was looking for other places to go work and NFL network was starting to hire reporters to come on the air. And I went and talked to them in LA when I went out to do Jim Rome show for a minute and met Eric Weinberger and some other people out there who were running the network. And they actually wanted to hire me and I ended up going back to ESPN because they gave me a four year deal. But when that deal was coming up, Weinberger called again in 2015 and was just like, hey, like, we're not losing out again on him. Like, we're going to get him and we're going to make a big, big, big play to my agent. And so they made a big play. I mean, it was like they, they offered a four-year deal and it was worth twice as much money as I was getting from ESPN. And you could do what you want? You do what I want, stay where I was at, um, could write, do TV. And I was like, so I go back to ESPN and I'm like, hey, look, they just gave me this, this big offer. Like, what are you guys going to do? And they're like, well, we can do a, a one-year deal with a one-year option and like a $10,000 increase in salary. I'm like, maybe you didn't hear me right. <laughs> like they're giving me twice as much uh, on the years. And they're giving deal. me twice as much money. And it's not Bristol. And it's not Bristol. I can go to L.A. to go to the office. And they're like, that, that, that's what we can do for you. Like, the best we can do is th- those two years. And I'm like, well, I guess I wore my welcome here. Yeah, thank you. And so, if they'd have matched it, would you say at ESPN? I probably would have thought about it. Yeah, I probably would have thought about it because I, I was there were things I was doing, especially with these sixty that I was really happy about. Right. The show was coming into its own, and uh, I'll never forget this. The day after I signed my deal was in July of 2015. The very next day, big story: ESPN has to cut 200 million dollars oh, from their budget like, this year and 300 million dollars next year. I'm like. Now I know what just happened. Oh, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I was just like, this is like, thank, thank God you. Yeah. for like looking down on me. Cause it was just timing was good again. And I ended up uh, leaving, but it's, you know, that, 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 that uh, trend has played out throughout my career of like, you see, you know, you go back to 20 years ago where the way the world was and you see how much has changed based on technology, based on trends. Let me ask you a question about, it was different. about journalism. Um, because you you came from an old school newspaper. I mean, you you are you are not working for anybody. You're working for the newspaper, mm-hmm. getting stories and doing all that stuff. And then when you go work for ESPN, they're partners with a lot of leagues yeah. and things like that. Now you're working for a, a thing that's owned by a league. Mm-hmm. How much has that changed 
I mean, journalism has changed so much yeah. over the last 20 years or so. But mm-hmm. how does that change what you do? You know, it, it, if I, I'd be lying if I said if, the, if NFL Network had approached me back in 2003 when I was at Sports Illustrated, there's no way I would have worked for a league. Mm-hmm. It was just that there's no way you would be in that space. But, again, the way the world has changed in, in media, and I saw a lot of ESPN with those partnerships, like, yeah, you still do the same job. It's just that the people above you have a whole different situations they have to work out amongst themselves. I remember back when I first got to ESPN, they used to joke that uh, – David Stern had a second offense uh, <laughs> up in up in Bristol because he was up there that much, always watching, talking, always watching, determining who was going on the pregame mm-hmm. shows, how the coverage was going to go, what they were saying. I remember uh, when Pat Forty was there, he was very critical of, of John Calipari back in at Kentucky and what was going on there. And, and there were stories, there were rumors that people would actually change stories that he wrote based on Patino's complaining because again, partnerships were in place with with the SEC and and yeah, it, it's. I think the job I do now, you, you certainly know there's things you can't touch, you can't get into, but the, 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 the audience is so different now. The audience is way more informed, and, and the way you approach it, like I don't feel like I ever pull punches when I give opinions about people. I think I'm still the same person when I report and do stuff. It's just that I don't get to go out and, uh, you know, I'm not going to go do some expose on Clark Hunt's private life. Right. You know, that's not going to be in the, in the cards, but there's still plenty of things you can do that people will read and care about. The world's just changed. I mean, that's what it is. I mean, you can either you can fight it yeah. and go stand on the street corner, or you can like yeah. teams cover themselves. I mean, it's, pretty, yeah. it's what they do. Teams exactly. have their own players stuff. break news on Twitter. Yeah. So it's just a different. It, it, deal. It's yeah. like you know they used to honestly. It's, it's weird. They used to need they needed the paper, right? Mm-hmm. They need they need the newspaper. They don't need that stuff anymore. So now it's it's all just kind of packaging content. Yeah, is what it is. And I, I guess it's just a little sad in a way. I yeah. miss the old days of some of that shit, but. Yeah. What the fuck are you yeah. going to do? But I still say the things, two things will never change. I teach a journalism class at UMKC. I tell the kids this all the time. Two things will never change in this world. One is the demand for information, and one is the need for stories. And stories go back to the Bible. Mm-hmm. That, that's, how, that's how we evolve as, as, a, as, a, as a culture. But information, the desire to be first, to tell people what they haven't heard, it's just about how you package it. The, the packaging and the platforms have changed, but it's still the same stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, so that's how I look at it. So what do you teach at UMKC? Uh, a class in sp- called sports writing. You know, I, I try to. Are you an it's, adjunct it's professor? Of, uh, more of a lecturer. Lecturer. Yeah, you have to be a whole. You I didn't get another degree though. You've still disappointed. You're still dad. disappointed. God, yeah. When you think back to that first uh, professor uh, that told you, you know, you're pretty good at this. Do you keep that in your mind now? Oh, in a yeah. way where you're able to maybe make an impact mm-hmm. with a young kid as someone that. Uh, has a chance to mentor young journalism students? Oh, yeah, yeah, totally, totally. When you recognize yeah, how it can change lives, and I've had a lot of, I think with the first class I had, I had a ton of great students, and I stay in touch with quite a few of them. They they call for help with getting jobs or stuff they're doing with school. I just did an interview with a, a young woman who's in an interviewing class, and, and so I try to impart that. I try to let them know that. You tell you had is, 10 minutes? That's all you had? Yeah. <laughs> nah, <laughs> uh, but, yeah, I, I try to let them know that uh, – it's still it's still a fun job. It's not as fun as it used to be, but still I think it's a good profession. And really, they can actually affect it in ways that people our age can't because it's it's a rea- it's it's a reactionary business in nature. Things happen. We talk about it. We write about it. But ultimately, the future of it is going to be technology based. So there's not a lot of Steve Jobses, Mark Zuckerberg's running around. But the more you have, the more you can have 
a Bleacher Report type situation or a Barstool Sports type situation or, you know, what Bill Simmons has created. There's opportunities there in media to create a different form of it that they are way more tapped yeah, into. They're going to be, than they're gonna be at the leading edge of it. Exactly. Instead and, of holding on. And what are all the different things you do now with NFL.com and NFL Network? Uh, I write for NFL.com. I do reporting for NFL Network. I Obviously, I, I do a lot of their mornings, a lot of their daily shows like NFL Now and Total Access. Um, when you're on TV at home, you just have the suit top on, uh, shorts top. on. Yeah. When you, you come just on, suit top. Just, just suit top. Just suit top. I'm not sitting there just below the that. Yeah. I says I'm, I'm dressed. I don't want anybody padding down. But yeah, it's a weird fucking question. Yeah, I, I know what it's like there. The he's end, got the little know. stuff on the shelves, now right? Now you know he's got when he watches there. you on TV what he's fucking thinking. I wonder. Hey, listen, I worked in TV for a long time. I watched a lot of guys go out there with suits on and shorts in the summer. How much do you have to travel? Because like you said, you have uh, a son, you yeah. know, so you had, that's a consideration. Yeah, well, it's not as much, you know, now we're getting out of COVID, so it's starting to change a little more. But when, obviously the last couple of years, you haven't worked on a whole bunch of traveling at all. Well, it helps to have the, the yeah. fucking best quarterback in the country right here right. in the backyard. You do a lot that, of Chiefs A lot of stories here. Stuff yeah, like that. I do a lot of Chiefs stuff now. And it's it's crazy to think back. When I was started at SI, like literally you would get on a plane. One reason I moved from California to New York was I would get on a plane on Tuesday night to be at a facility on Wednesday and I would stay until Monday morning, and I would go home and do it all over again. I'd be gone for like five days in a row. Now it's like if I'm gone for a couple of days, it's a big deal. Yeah, you're mm-hmm. right. I do a lot of Chiefs games because yeah. of Mahomes and, and the great. star appeal here. And hanging out uh, with the grid food in the press box. We sit there. We yeah. have the hot dogs and chicken tenders. It's the best. Yeah, but you you, you learn. It, things evolve, and it's COVID was, it was really rough for a lot of reasons, but it, it kind of helped me out on the TV side of it because I, I did a lot more stuff on the TV side because they couldn't fly other reporters mm-hmm. in to do this stuff. I was happy just doing the, the the writing part of it and just doing some TV every now and then, but I've done a lot more TV because they're like, oh, man, it's like you, you're here. You can do this stuff. You can be out there reporting, and it's just – it's I, again, one thing I tell kids too is be willing to grow. Don't just decide you're a writer or you're a radio person or do a TV it all. person. Do it all because it's going to it's going to make it fun for you, but it's going to give you more job security as you as you be a lifetime life. learner. I, I yeah. remember yeah. one of the coolest things you ever told me. It's been a few years ago. I can't remember. I was talking about going to some concert. And you was said, it about gout? No, it was no. not about that. Was not not yeah. not cool. You said you said what's it like to be able to to fit in, go to you know to be around any like go to a rap concert, go to a, and, and you could just. You could just fit into that environment or whatever, yeah. right? And yeah. kind of, I kind of took after my dad with that, and I always appreciate that. That meant a lot to me because you know I, I feel like that's that's one of the gifts that I have. I could fit in into any situation with yeah. any kind of people or whatever. But but I was reminded of that. It was a fucking funny story that I never told you, and I laughed my ass off. Yeah. This has been a couple of years ago. This is the old guy comes up to me at a fucking remote, right? And some yeah. people just say all kinds of shit to me. <laughs> and you know, you stir some shit up yeah. in Kansas City. People, yeah. be. When you come on the show, people, there is a reaction. And that's, yeah. what, I, that's what you that's want, though. You, you want. want people to fucking care, right? Yeah. You know that, right? You know, this this guy hates the Chiefs. That's this guy well, comes, we, we help, uh, we help uh, you know, yeah. uh, but this guy put come, that out there, This too, guy yeah. comes up. No, he doesn't, though. His, his son loves yeah. the Chiefs. He, he covers the Chiefs fairly. How do you talk right? to this that's fucking Jeff Chadia? Right. Yeah. So, but this guy comes up to me. You know, he's real serious. Right. And you can tell when someone's coming up, someone's got got something to say. Usually it's a beef. Like, they don't like what I said or whatever. Yeah. He comes up to me. And a lot of times I'll get, man, you're not what I expect. You, you know, now that I see you, you're not what yeah. I expect. I'm always, what the fuck do you expect? I mean, you know, here I am. Yeah. He goes, and then, and then no one can spell your name. Mm-hmm. And few people can say it right. You know, you know. 
you know that Jeff Chadilla you got on the show? <laughs> and, I'm, and I'm not, I'm trying not to fucking laugh. Yeah. Uh, yes, sir. He is. I saw him on TV the other day. He's a black man. Here we go. And I go, no shit. I go, he is? And he goes, yeah. I said, yeah. oh, shit. And I go, well, fuck that. And then, then he walks off. Uh, that was it. And then, but then you see him like, <laughs> like trying to reconcile yeah. what I said. Yeah. Yeah. Like, He's like, what? But it was just, this guy was, he, yeah. he went there yeah. just to let me, in case I didn't know, yeah. because it's so funny because people hear us on the show. Mm. I've had people tell me they thought I was black, they thought mm. I was Mexican, they thought I, well, all kinds of shit. You're not but, what I expected. But, I, but I'm never what they expect. Yeah. But I just thought that was so funny. <laughs> he, he, he showed up. That's Jeff, this Jeff Chadilla. Yeah. He's a, he's a yeah. black man. That's yeah. A, you know, it's crazy. It's like, it, it is. Uh, <laughs> you know, you get used to like um, certainly in this job. People recognize you because you be on ESPN or whatever SI back in the day. Uh, they see you more than you think, and so you, that is part of like, especially as a, as a writer by nature, it's hard to get used to that. Sometimes I was in Dick's Sporting Goods yesterday buying some shoes, looking for shoes, and I was walking out, and the guy said, "Hey, thanks for coming." He's like, "Hey, thanks for coming, Jeff." Yeah, and I was just <laughs> like, "Right," yeah. and he's kind of waved to me, but I, I always. You know, uh, one thing about living in Kansas City, I've always appreciated. I love the the passion for sports here, and, and I, people I love are cool. It. And people are cool, man. As much as you get tagged with that, because people think you don't like the Chiefs because you're honest about your opinions. Like I've had so many people come up to me, like every at my gym, um, you know, at, at a restaurant, wherever, and they're just like super nice and super cool, and just like, hey, man, I like I like what you do. I appreciate it because you're right and, a lot. And, and even even if they didn't say that. I'd be like, hey, you know, thanks for listening. Thanks for coming up and talking to me and mm -hmm. being civil and, and being cool about it. So it's just like, I, I never, it's one of the cool things about living in this town is you actually can connect with people. Like when I was in New York or in Bay Area, yeah, you didn't, it was so big, they're, you didn't have that. Deal, yeah. yeah, and so here you can actually talk to people and see them every day, and I, I never take that for granted. Well, I'm glad you live here. We love this town. This yeah. is where Steve and I are from. Yeah. You know, and you, you, this is home for you now, right? If it feels like oh, home, yeah. I've been here long enough. There's something special about Kansas City. And, and, yeah. and tell people, because you're involved with a lot of different things in the community, you know, Operation yeah. Breakthrough, Operation different Breakthrough. things like that. You, yeah. you, you have uh, a lot of ties in the community yeah. that go beyond what you do on the radio. And oh, TV. yeah. No, for sure. Yeah, I've been involved with Operation Breakthrough. I was a board member and a, a volunteer there for a long time. I'm not on their board anymore, but I still. I'm going to. They have a big uh, Kentucky Derby party fundraiser this oh, uh, this weekend. I'm going to be down there for that. Uh, involved with Dayton Moore's Foundation. Uh, see you in the major leagues. We started a, a mentoring program called C10 Mentoring and Leadership that started off with ten kids like four years ago and ten mentors, and now it's twice as many, and that's grown. So that that's been a phenomenal thing to do. I'm a part of the KU uh, advisory board uh, that I've just joined that for the last year or so which has been cool it's getting and back into umkc K, ku healthcare yeah. uh ku health center umkc professor, uh, teaching professor over there Jeff. and so yeah it's a lot of um a lot of fun stuff is is going on but again one thing about li living here is that you get to be a part of those things you know it's harder to, to touch lives if you're just in a bigger place with a lot more competition okay so your son's 11 mm -hmm. what's his best sport I think you know I'm biased because it's, it's his. He's like me. His most natural sport is football. So he had, he played flag football last summer, and he's had a chance to really uh, enjoy it. And he's just very natural. He's fast. He's big. He's, he's catching passes. But he plays basketball. 
baseball and soccer as well. Now you 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 saw both sides of football, what it can do for you, and how it, it's a yeah. rough ass fucking sport. Yeah. Do you want him to play football if he says, "Dad, I want to play in high school, and maybe become a college football player"? Will you steer him towards that, or will you steer him away from that? Oh, you know, it's right now he'd like to play more football, and I, I always tell people because I played so late, like I'm not really at any point like concerned about him missing out. Like I think I can teach him the stuff he needs to know, and, and I'd rather have him play when he's more advanced, That's his body's right. more mature. So. I think he'll he'll play at some point when he gets to high school because he's going to be a big kid. He's already five five foot one, five foot two, and got size nine shoes. Oh, so shit. he's he's a big. He plays, but he's physical. He's like pretty, he likes. It's pretty much Nate size. Nate's yeah, he's like Nate size. Yeah. Come on. Yeah, yeah, but he's physical. He likes the other day. He wanted to like. I've got some boxing gloves from going to Title oh, Fitness. He wanted to put them on, on and go out and. He was throwing some some hooks and jabs and taking some shots. He, he likes the physical part of it, but I think he. His one, his, he's like me too. He he loves basketball. Like yeah. He'll play basketball all day long, and I love that because he's not sitting around wanting to play Fortnite forever or sit on YouTube. Like you give him the op- option of here's a hoop and a basketball, and here's an Xbox. He like he's thinking he wants to play. Mm. Well, this has been awesome for people to get to know you. And man, you've had a hell of a career. It's not done yet. You got lots to do. And I hope not. You're doing well, but I mean, you <sighs> sitting down and, and talking about all that stuff. Do you yeah. think like? Man, back to when you were 19, 20 years old, you didn't know what the fuck you were going to do. Now you were wildly successful yeah, in this profession. It is crazy, man. And I'll tell you a quick story. Tie it all back up to Wyoming and football. Like uh, a couple, a few years ago, the when the Patriots played the Falcons, it was in uh, Houston Super Bowl, and uh, some guys, some friends of mine, called me up and said, "Hey, man, I want you to." Oh, a buddy, a guy who's on the football team, said, "Hey, we got some people down here who'd love to see you. Why don't we grab a drink when you're in town?" And I said, sure. And it was on Facebook. And it was funny because, like, a lot of the kids who were there when I was in school, which happens a lot of different programs, is like you get some kids who come from different backgrounds and they get in trouble. They don't go to class. They, you know, break the law and do stuff. And so there are a lot of guys who were there who were not, I was like, what's going to happen to them when they're, when they're out of this place? Right. And so I said, okay, let's do that. I said, I got down there and I said, who's coming? And he said, oh, we got, this guy and that guy, blah, blah, blah. And so coming to this spot over on whatever, south side of town. So I go over there to the spot. It's like a little bar with a big patio area. And I get there and it's like uh, like 20 guys uh, are there. And I was like, wow. And then like 10 more guys show up out of nowhere. And like we're just talking. And one of the guys is like, hey, man, you know, when you were in school, like we we're sorry you left. We thought you were going to be great. And you know, I'm glad that you, you know, you, you had it right back then. You were studying and getting, getting good grades. And, and these guys who were in trouble a lot now, like one guy was an engineer. One guy was running his own chiropractic business. Oh, wow. One guy was a policeman. They were all like, you know, good dudes. They were taking care of their kids. A lot of these guys didn't have dads when they grew up. Reggie Slater was there. He came by. Um, and it's just like it dawned on me. It's like they didn't look at me as a failure. You know, I think for all that time, I thought, man, I quit. Right. Cause you I hurt. couldn't cut it. Like my body gave out on me. I embarrassed myself. Like I was, we were all connected by that experience, which is what I think it's like. And again, going back, I don't want to do it, get on a big platform about what, where college sports is at or what that, that's what makes it special is that they, they, re, they respect the talent. They respect the experience teammates. And, and teammates. And these guys were, some of these guys were older than me. Some of these guys were seniors when I was there and they came and they, they stood up and they, they were proud of me. You know, and it's it's, awesome. that that to me was like that was one of the most gratifying experiences of my career is knowing that these guys really 
watched me now and kept up my career and they're proud of what I had done too. It wasn't just about what you did 30 years ago. And so that, that to me has always been something I look back and think, you know, as my life's progressed and you do all this stuff and you go in different jobs and different places, it's like, it's still about touching people and about touching lives and letting people touch your life. So that's what I always take away from you. You want to cuss one more time yeah. before we go? I'll say fuck one more there time. There you go. <laughs> hey, and I tell you, and yeah. we sure love having you as part of the A10 family. Yeah. And just even talking like now, I didn't realize how long it's been. It's like like meeting you at, oh, the, yeah. at that Super Bowl and everything else. That's 20 years. Now, if you do, I don't know if you do, but do you, if you happen to have a picture of Whitlock stuffed in that car driving no, to Atlanta, <laughs> if you could, if you could send that over, yeah. you can make that part of the that's podcast. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna be thinking about yeah. that shit the rest of the fuck. <laughs> they thought the the big black mask. They thought the fucking airbag. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's some funny shit. Yeah. Oh, oh Jeff, thanks yeah, so much no for problem, spending man. time with us, man. We appreciate it. No, I thank you guys. But can you help the advancement board? I said I know I said it wrong. It's not advisory board, advancement right. board. But it's, we do great stuff. But thanks for having me on, man. It's been great. It is uh, Jeff Chidia from NFL Network and NFL.com. Until next week, the microphone is off.